everyone. Welcome to the Season Gaming Big Cast, episode 247. I'm your host, Ainsley Bowden, and we are your weekly show covering the biggest topics in gaming with legal, technical, and industry insight. And it is a fine day to talk about a lot of games. We got a lot to talk about today, boys. Um, coming out of the gate, Travis, fired up, ready to go. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well. Your rough again is here for you. Uh, McClunky, one and all, and Hogue. I'm sorry we lost you, Hogue, over there. In the, <laughs> nice memorial, friend. Oh, no. yeah, nice to see you guys. Yeah, you too. Yeah, we're starting out with Goldframe Hogue today. So uh, nice. Hogue, is, uh, he had some stuff going on this week, and he said that um, he was going to try to do something different this morning. So we don't know if he's going to be coming by or not. He's a maybe for today, but we'll play yeah. that by ear. But... Mr. Rodriguez is here, and he's going to be our legal expert for the day. No, so, no I'm any, not. Any, <laughs> any no. questions you have from a legal perspective, yes. direct them at Dan. We'll make sure it's on video, recorded, right. and uh, take that to court if you need to. I'll yep. tell you all uh, about we'll be doing. legal love of, of lesbians. Yes. Uh, be yes. Great. I, that's about Sorry. the only thing I'm actually qualified to talk about, but um, I'm mm-hmm. doing great this morning. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm here awake. <laughs> I will be leaving for New York City in two days and nice. putting everything out of my mind just to relax. You can get some real pizza. Sweet. I can get some real pizza. I'm not even going to argue because <laughs> I went last year. As much as I love Deep Dish and I still think it's superior. Stop uh, it. The New York has I'm the best you, thin slice pizza in the world. Period. It was amazing. Yeah. It was outstanding. Hot take. Pizza. Shout out. You're the best. Nice. The hot take is yeah. that all pizzas have pros and cons, and you should enjoy them all. Oh, I do. That that's perfectly fair too. Yes, yeah. yeah. New York's great, man. I haven't been in a long time since we moved uh, out here because uh, we used to. I used to live less than two hours away, so we'd go up there quite a bit. But um, now, yeah. now you don't live anywhere where there's more people than horses, right? <laughs> I, I would love to see inside Travis's head the. To, to picture where he thinks we live yeah you, 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 play, you play your you play your uh your xbox uh sitting in a lawn chair there's a tractor going right behind you fair. yeah um, fair. people I mean, firing really, guns off at each other and you're, you know, you're like five miles away from everything that just travis just really down it, it's funny because we're five miles five away miles. from like anything you want right yeah and we're also five miles away from what travis just described yes, exactly it's all very close Good for you guys. <laughs> oh man so we've got uh we've got a lot to talk about today actually we've got a bunch of games to talk about um there's a game we can't talk about yet uh we've got a major another major release sadly that has bugs we're going to talk about major releases continuing to release broken or unfinished uh, we had big news this week out of the CMA blocking the Microsoft acquisition of Activision Blizzard um sadly Hogue is not here but Travis has stepped up and said he's going to be hoed today on all legal matters relating to the CMA. Any other legal matters directed to Dan, but on the CMA specifically, that's going to be sure. Travis. We've got some uh, we've got some reports from Xbox and PlayStation. I want to talk through just in terms of figures and sales data. Data. We've got the next game from From Software getting a release date and new details, which look amazing. So quite a bit to talk through. Anyway, yeah. before we get to all of that, uh, kind of going to start on a little somber note here. So. Um, Oh, yeah. Was it last week or two weeks ago that we kind of commented on helping out with um, 
secret McSquirrel, our favorite squirrel in the house around, uh, you know, she was getting treated for cancer, apparently had cancer for quite a while and um, was working through that. But she, you know, continued to be a champion for, as I commented on Twitter, all of kind of LawTube, right? Not just Hogue, but Ian and uh, the group and uh, has been a big boon for us here. Big cast and really helped out behind the scenes and, um, you know, just a genuinely good person. And uh, I am very made me very sad this week uh, to hear the news that she had passed. Um, I, for me, uh, you know, I didn't realize it was that serious. I'm sure other people who had talked to her longer kind of understood or knew that. Um, but it is, uh, you know, as I said on Twitter, it's uh, condolences go out to the family and, and friends. One of her good friends DMs me and, and let me know. And kind of, I talked to them briefly about it and um, you know, uh, I don't really know what else to say. I'm not very good in these instances, but it's, um, I said online, it's a reminder to live well and don't take anything for granted. Uh, we've had that same conversation with Hogue recently, right? Uh, about what he's gone through. So I uh, just want to give a shout out to her, anyone who was friends with her, um, you know, or knew her and, and kind of engaged with her. Uh, on the season gaming side, we have uh, the Just Giving link at the top. It's pinned. If you want to help with the funeral expenses with the family and friends to kind of take care of things. Um, so uh, if you can do that, that's obviously appreciated. Anyone on the Hoag side of the house as we're live here, if you are a moderator, um, you can pull that link off of uh, the SG side. If you could pin it up on the Hoag side. <laughs> Funny enough, I don't think me, Travis, or Dan are moderators on Hoag side. We got to give them crap about that. Mm. Um, but if I'm not moderators pin- on this side. Well, I, that's for good reason. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> Smart. but if you can put it up on Oak side, that would be appreciated. So, um, that's about all I'll say on that guys. I don't know if you want to add anything, uh, up to you. Yeah. I mean, I, I DM'd with her a little bit just because, you know, you get on Twitter and normally it's, it's, it's just full of just vitriol. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, and, and then every once in a while you get somebody like her who out of just the kindness of her heart and just and just just promotes everything and just, and just is always super positive and, and is, you know, always, you know, it's always consistently good, you know, and, and you don't see that a lot. Um, so, you know, I, I, I had no idea about the cancer. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. Um, I knew she was sick. Um, I knew <clears throat> she had been to the hospital a few times. So I also got, uh, I think that DM, um, from that person and uh it, it was after i found out from you guys and, and i talked to him a little bit and it, it's just it sucks man because you know it's when you see somebody do stuff like that it's just it just kind of warms your heart a little bit and um i i honestly don't even know what to say anymore it, it was it was it, it's just sad please donate if you can you know try to help out um and and you know pay for those expenses she didn't have a whole lot of people uh you know with her so um it's one person who's her best friend and it's been he's been that way for for years and uh he's trying to take care of all that and her birds as well so uh, anything you guys can do to help would be awesome yeah i checked it this morning and it looks like they were trying to raise ten thousand uh, uh pounds i believe um and uh, they were at 60-some hundred, so a lot of generosity shown already, uh, but anything, like we said, That's if awesome. you can't help, um, you know, 
please do. So, hell yeah. Okay. Um, thank you, everyone. Appreciate that. Uh, and I know uh, a lot of people, especially on Hogue's side of the chat here, uh, you knew her better than the better better than we did. She's been around uh, with that group longer than us. So, um, condolences. We're definitely gonna miss her in the chat. You know, it's gonna no be doubt. a different old thing. So. No doubt. Sucks. All right. Um, <clears throat> all right. Let's jump over to uh, <laughs> this is a hard segue, guys. I'm just gonna go ahead and do it. Uh, let's jump over to gaming. Um, so what we're currently playing. So a lot of games to talk about here. I've got a few I want to talk about. Um, right out of the gate, uh, I will just say that um, we cannot talk about Redfall yet. Um, that will come next week. Um, Some of uh, us are playing it, though. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm <laughs> reviewing it for SG. Um, obviously, reviews will go up in short order. The game comes out, I think, tomorrow night officially as we're recording this like late night overnight so um, i'm not reviewing it for ign but i am playing it early and have thoughts <laughs> which, <laughs> which we uh as we said we can't share so uh, a lot on redfall next week um and we'll give you the full breakdown of what that looks like but i am playing a few other games i'll start guys i'm going to start with uh a little game called the last case of benedict fox nice so yeah, this is a uh, an indie game that came uh, launched on Game Pass. It came out on Thursday, I think. Um, came out a few days ago. Apparently, uh, code. Well, I know codes came extremely late. Codes essentially for the game came out when it launched uh, or the night before. Uh, apparently, there was a problem with the build of the game. It had some severe issue right up until launch. And they didn't get codes out. And so that's why there were hardly any reviews for this game when it came out. So I did start playing it as soon as I kind of got access to it. I was going to review it prior to Redfall um, because it was coming out nearly a week prior. But because of the code delay, uh, it kind of had an overlap. And now I'm behind. But I do have about, uh, I want to say maybe four hours into it or so. Um cool game so if you think it's a, a you know lack of a better term metroidvania it's got this kind of uh creepy not creepy uh this kind of um mystical slash uh haunting vibe to it it's very colorful on a 2d plane it reminds me a little bit in terms of color and design like ori in a way um but it's got this kind of um right so to give you an idea at the start of the game it actually says um the game um tackles some uh serious subject matter and if you're not a fan of that, uh, you may want to hold off. And it'll actually let you see spoilers around what they're talking about, if you want to. Because um, it talks about death and some trauma and family issues and stuff like that. But it's pretty good so far. Uh, I'm, I was really enjoying myself. I'm playing on the Series X. I should have been playing on PC, apparently, because on the Series X, it has some stuttering problems um once action gets really tight so once you start fighting more than like one or two enemies at once or get into kind of like key scenarios has these weird like loading hiccups where the game will pause just for a split second but it it, it really throws you off like it's not smooth mm -hmm. um and and it's it's just frustrating i died a few times because of it and i'm like i was getting mad um but other than that um i really enjoyed it so far so i look forward to getting back to it if i can get a review of it up in the next week or so i will if not i'll probably talk more fully about it next week but it's on game pass and pc um or xbox and pc it's also on game pass and uh if you like 2d games with kind of a you know 
uh, Metroidvania style where you unlock things and abilities. Check it out. It's worth your time. Nope. So thanks though. Appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> no interest at all. None. Yeah. None whatsoever. Ironically, okay. Dan's only salvation for his <clears throat> hatred of games that don't run 60 FPS mm -hmm. is indie games. Like another type <laughs> of game. True. That's true. All his AAA heroes are failing him. <clears throat> and the only chance he has for salvation right. is in the loving, warm embrace of smaller games, yes. which he refuses to play. Yeah. Of a game that game that Ains just described as a 2D side scroller that struggles on the most powerful console in the world at times with many he enemies. Kiss my grits. That's what he I needs say. to lose weight and he hates salads. This is the situation <laughs> Dan finds himself. I love meat though. That was a transition. Yeah. Um, it was a metaphor. I, I get it. You know I, mean? I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying he actually needs to lose weight. I've never seen no, the I lower half of him. I have no you idea. It's pretty you could be actually. ripped. I have no clue. <laughs> I, have, seen, I have giant I've seen muscular thighs without his shirt on because he tweets pictures of it. And... I have not tweeted without my shirt on. Stop. Okay, it. well, your arms are out. Okay, you look yeah. like a like you're a very posing for neck. a Fast and Furious very... character screen poster. You know. What okay. I'm All right. You don't have to insult right. me. Okay. All right. No. IQ's if I was in the insulting you, I would say that based on those photos, you look like you should be holding a tiki torch, which is what I think every time I see them. <laughs> I'm like, this guy for sure was in a prison gang based on those photos. <laughs> not the one that likes me. You know what I mean? Hey, I mean, I don't mind people thinking that. That's fine. Keep them away from me. <laughs> <laughs> all right there's something um, about the shaved head look <laughs> um right. no it's good dan it really is uh if you want to play triple a you know high frame rate play halo halo's 120 frames on series <laughs> that might be the only but one out there here's a here's four 120 yeah. i'm five yeah yeah yeah, or, or, yeah sorry i'm at five uh yeah, yeah gears five uh, looks amazing on uh you know xboxes I could really play all in order, actually, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what the frame gonna, rate is. We're going to get the Jedi. We're going to get the Jedi. Yeah, I, I bet you Hitman's not 60 FPS. 100%. Is it actually? <laughs> I would love to look that up. That would be I hilarious, would. wouldn't it? If yeah, Hitman because, was only 30 I, FPS. I have a feeling. I bet you even it if it says 100 FPS, it's 60 not FPS. steady. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Uh, I've got a couple other games to talk about, but go ahead. Someone jump in here. I literally have nothing. I don't wow. think I've played really? much. Yeah, I haven't played much this week. I haven't played in the last three or four days for sure. Uh, I don't even know what I've been playing if I've been playing anything. Man, I think I played Miles Morales a little bit. I don't know why. That was it. That was my gaming of the week. Uh, I had some plans uh, Friday to play something, but I'll talk about that later. So, all right. Otherwise, I'm good. Been busy. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna save the Jedi conversation, yeah. uh, which we'll be talking about at length. But we're gonna save that for our kind of uh, AAA launch discussion here briefly. Yeah, you guys um, So, oh, I did play anything you can talk about. No, no, we're not talking about Hitman, Dad. No, well, Joe said done. something. I did play. You've Hitman. hit your quota. You've hit your uh, quota. No, what? Okay, and Ains played Halo. We can just yeah. Pass I played Halo. Nothing. Yeah, we're good. It's changed right, here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you play anything you can talk about, Travis? I played an awful lot I can't talk about, and then and then Jedi Survivor, which I can talk about. Um, I also played. Um, I I've been. Um, I'm I'm in between reviews. My next review is still I think over a week away before I'll start working on it. 
Uh, and then obviously I've got to do uh, Diablo four, which Diablo. I think is the reason I think that's the reason they're not having me on anything. Cause I have to be part of the server slam on the 12th and yada, yada. Um, yep. But uh, I am catching up on games that I had to skip because of previous reviews. So um, I beat Escape Academy randomly. Um, I beat Sifu. I think I told you guys that. I mm. beat Sifu finally, awesome. which is one I didn't get to play. Um, I replayed Inscription. I I've heard great Inscription. things about the game. I haven't played oh, it. Oh, such a good game. You should play yeah. it. It's a great game. Um, I'm almost done with Pentiment which I've okay. been working my way through slowly because I didn't get to do that. Um, Resident Evil 4, which okay. came out. And as you know, I liked that game a lot and didn't get to do the the thing. And then uh, I didn't get to play the remake. Um, and then Destiny, I guess, which is my Halo slash Hitman. <laughs> yes. I guess I can just skip yeah. that. Um, yeah. And then I've been writing about stuff, about, about these games I'm playing. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I've got previews. And I don't think I can talk about any of them, unfortunately. I don't even think I can say that I'm. I don't even think I can say that I'm playing them, which is uh, unfortunate. I think at least you know, one of them hasn't even been announced, which sucks. You, you know, one yeah. small piece of good news for people weirdos like me was that Remnant Two, uh, which you did the IGN first for, uh, they announced mm-hmm. that they're going to have a physical copy of that game. So I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Sard <laughs> um, says Dan played Hitman, Ains played Halo, Travis played stuff under embargo. Next, yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's basically much. it. That's yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, yeah. That's a slow um, hey, No, so I did, actually so played you this time though. You also played a game under embargo. So yes, I have. Um, this week. Yeah, this week. Yeah. Um, no, I played some other things too, though. I can actually talk about. So uh, the embargo for uh, the Invincible. So the Invincible is a narrative um, sci-fi game based on a novel of the same name uh, that is coming out by a a smaller studio. It's coming out later this year. They released a demo. I believe the demo is up on Steam now. You can play it, and it's a short demo. It's Even if you take your time with it, you're looking at 20 or 30 minutes. Um, But it it, kind of sets up the the environment and kind of the the feel of the game. Uh, If you enjoyed Firewatch... It's uh, kind of the best kind of comparison I can make. It's narrative. It's first person narrative heavy uh, building towards a story. So don't go into it thinking it's an FPS or anything like that. It's more kind of walking around, finding things, uncovering secrets and seeing what unfolds. So uh, it's pretty neat. Yeah, so did I. So did I. In fact, I I don't even chase achievements, as you know, but I thousand that game um, because it was easy, honestly. Um, I did that. (laughs) <laughs> but um yeah it's it's neat so uh, uh the demo's free of course uh if you plan on steam i don't know if it's on console i didn't check but um yeah i i i would recommend checking it out if you enjoy that type of game it's pretty cool i don't know anything about the novel some people reached out and said they you know they like uh, i believe his name is stanislaw lem uh an author he's dead now but you know several several or more novels um through the decades and this like i said is based on one of the same name the invincible so um check it out it's pretty cool uh and i'll have more on that game as it gets closer to release i'm hopefully going to be covering that game it interests me a lot so uh, i talked to pr and um depending on whatever they don't have a release date now but uh we'll see later down the line depending on where it launches in this crazy year of games so uh, I will keep going. I want to also shout out. Uh, I know I mentioned this a couple weeks ago that I had played it a little bit, but I played it 
prior to getting these other games uh, this week, earlier this week, I was playing a lot, guys, a lot of Battlefield 2042. Oh, yeah. Which is crazy to say. Uh, it feels very weird to say that out loud. But um, so the weird thing is I was playing it on Series X and it's beautiful now. I mean, it's beautiful. It runs super smooth, except the game kept crashing on me. Um, so it runs great, except for, you know, just halting immediately. Um, so I don't know what if that's just a problem I have, because I saw other people saying they played on Series X with no problem. I have no idea. I switched over to PC playing it there now no issue uh, with crashing anyway and uh, it's been great honestly it feels mostly like a, an old battlefield game again so you've got your classes you've got your loadouts you've got your customization uh your squads and uh you know big dan you okay yep <laughs> you're giving me a look oh. um i would uh i would check it out i would check it out if you like old battlefield and were disappointed by 2042 i'd give it another look try it out uh it has changed an awful lot since launch and they've tuned the hell out of it so um a lot of fun on that one for sure it's almost like they needed another year and yeah it's crazy yeah. crazy how that happens with many games it seems nowadays every game <laughs> um <clears throat> All right, playing anything else? I have been playing Halo, of course, Rocket League. Halo and Rocket League are kind of my two go-to's regulars now, mm. both. So uh, good games, good, good games. games. Rocket League game. Yeah, there are lots of good games, um, and I know. <laughs> I'm the only we one had that conversation before around like. Yeah. yeah, well, I was gonna say we had that conversation before around. There's so many good games nowadays that are continual with content, right? Like you basically pick your favorite one or two and that's where you kind of live on a weekly basis when there's not a new release i think many of us do that now and it's there's so many um that are out there for people that um it's kind of interesting really because I, I do think it's hilarious that even something like hitman which you know <laughs> i know i'm not going to bring up whether it's live service or not because travis will say it is dan will say it isn't um i will say it is okay it's, good it's like it's like the Worst example of a live service game. Yeah, it's minor game. live service. Yeah, it's um, live service light, light, light. Yeah, light service. Would, light would service. you argue the most live service are light? I mean, mm. how many deliver a lot of content regularly? Come on. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's interesting. People have that kind of comfort game they go back to no matter what. But anyway, uh, let's jump over because I know you guys have been playing Jedi. Uh, a lot of conversation around it this week, um, and Dan hasn't been playing. He's just <laughs> been commenting. Been it's very different. That's most people. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll let you talk about it. Before we do that, want to get to the always generous Marianne Williams, who, as she does nearly every week, has twenty dollars super stickered us on both sides of the house, both the SG. And the Hogue side, um, as I always say, super, super generous and super, super thankful for that, Marianne. So yeah. appreciate you genuinely. I wonder if people call her Mary a lot because my wife's name is also Marianne. And okay. she is called Mary constantly and she can't mm. stand it. My um, Abuelita is called Marianne and she hates to be called Mary. So yeah. we, we it could go either way. Yeah. What's your wife like to be called? Her full name, Marianne? Yeah, Marianne. It's spelled okay. the same way, except... Hers actually has a space between it, so technically, you know, you know, maybe maybe that's a different way to spell it. I don't know, because hers hers is together. Maybe it's just a username. 
And her yeah, name is Trent Whitaker. We have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> that would be Trent, something. Trent Whitaker. <laughs> I just I just pulled that out of nowhere. Uh, uh, I could uh, tell. Uh, I could tell. Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, Jedi Boys. So I have it. I installed it. And because of other obligations, I have not played it yet. Um, this was one of the most anticipated games of the year. Also coming from Respawn, of course, who didn't miss previously um the narrative around this okay the narrative around this game so reviews are strong uh very strong it's in i think mid 80s or so meta um which is higher than fallen order but as i think most of us watching will know the bigger conversation around this game has been launch issues particularly on the pc version of the side of the house um where several large creators came out uh acg skill up you know the big kind of guys who do reviews on these and said uh from a pc perspective this game is a disaster uh even with top end hardware it's barely running you know they can't even get actually, it at a stable frame rate especially with hard, front end hardware front end hardware is what's crashing it a lot of the time so, <laughs> yeah. um if you have and then I, hardware you have a better better more stable game which is interesting okay uh, and then I've talked to, uh, again, this is anecdotal, just going on what the people I know playing it and the people that uh, I see talking, uh, playing it, but like Joe, Luke, regulars here, um, others, Mo, uh, playing it, saying all kinds of issues. HDR is broken, um, frame rate's inconsistent, uh, the 60 FPS mode is more like a 35 mode at times. Um, so I haven't played it, not even a minute. So uh, Dan, I know you kind of, from what I understand, turned it off because of potential issues no, no. or issues. He hasn't all. played it. I even he buy it. it. As he hasn't soon as played I saw it. He's, he's just commenting like most people online. No, he's no, no, just no. no. I'm, just, I'm just making a decision not to purchase it based on the reaction it is getting from a large percentage of people, people that I've talked to directly that have been playing it. I've decided to wait until they fix it to give them my money. And that is going to be my stance going forward, unless it's Spider-Man and Insomniac screws that up again. Uh, we're going to have problems. So, so we have we have two bastions left coming this year. Well, one we know Diablo is incredible. Yeah. We've played quite a lot of it, but there's two two games I'm looking at the rest of the year in terms of this conversation, which is Spider-Man from Insomniac and Armored Core Six, which we're going to get to from From. Mm -hmm. If both of those games have issues at launch, I'm throwing my hands up and saying, "Forget it. We're done as a society." Gaming is over because those are two developers who I expect greatness from every time in the house. But yeah, so Travis, why don't you talk about because you've been playing it? Mm -hmm. uh, as Dan said, I'm not. I'm try. I as we know here, right? We don't try to regurgitate what we hear on Twitter or socials mm -hmm. because often mm -hmm. that's misguided. But I'm I'm talking about people that you know I game with every single day who are playing right. this game and literally relaying to me that it has severe issues. Now I will say. Uh, Alex, who's reviewing it for us at Season Gaming, he's still going through it. He's on PS5, and HDR is broken. But he said outside of that, he hasn't had hardly any issues. He's really enjoying it himself. That's so, pretty much been what I've heard from, from everyone I know who's played the game and from myself personally and Hogue, who's not here right now, but he also is playing it, I think, on a different platform than me. He's playing it on PS5. I'm playing it on a Series X, and neither of us have had any problems. And so... My thinking on this is that it's PC players who understandably got a really bad port, and that's not uh, uncommon that nowadays uh, PC players have been getting 
bad ports for years and i think that jedi survivor is simply one of those um somebody asked me am i in quality mode i am in performance mode um pc gamers have a right to be mad 100 i've seen the pc uh version get played and it, it just it doesn't work at all um but uh the console version is fine it has some issues it has some issues. None of them have been bad enough to even get close to ruining the experience for me. I had like one or two areas where the frame rate hitching was visible. And most of the time I haven't even noticed. And a lot yeah. of the people online who are claiming that console version is quote broken, they're like, oh yeah, then, you know, show us st you streaming it with the, you know, frame rate tracker across the top. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not basing it off of the frame rate tracker, man. I'm basing it off of do I notice it when I'm playing? Right. right That's what everybody right. does. And when you yeah. play it, it's, it's really not noticeable enough to, to ruin your, your, um, your gameplay experience. So, um, yeah, it's not perfect at all. Um, when it comes to, uh, its performance, but I personally think that the benchmark Nazis are at it again. I mean, that's, they're just, <laughs> they're, they're here. The frame rate fascists are in full force. They've shown up and, and are ready to, to make it seem like the game is completely broken on every platform. And it's really just their platform. And when I say their platform, I mean the toxic people, PC players. Sorry, I'm calling you out directly, but a lot of you suck. Um, and uh, I get it. They have a right to be I, mad. I, I partially play on PC now, so I don't know if okay. I should be. So do I. So do I. I'm a PC player, but I, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm calling them out. Um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I think I, they have a right to be mad 100%. But I think the narrative on Twitter that this is as bad as, you know, on every platform that everybody playing on Xbox and PS5 is like immediately turning it off. I do not think that's true for a second. Um, I, I, you know, maybe, maybe there's wor people who have worse bugs or worse performance issues on consoles, but it's definitely not at the same level it's on on PC. PC, for those who don't know, super hard to develop for because everyone has different rig. Everyone has different requirements. You basically have to build the game to work on 900 different permutations of, you know, graphics cards and CPUs and yada, yada. It's very complicated. Um, and it sounds like they didn't do their proper testing when they built the, uh, the port. They, they, they didn't, they for sure did not try it on super, super high-end hardware, which is why people are pissed off because all the streamers have super, super high-end hardware and they're like, what the hell? This doesn't run. My guess is they probably built it for like a mid-tier rig running on a 2080. And if you have very specific, you know, uh, build in your, in your rig, it probably, it probably runs okay. Um, but whatever, it's terrible. It's, it, you know, the PC version is really bad. Console, not at all. It's fine. It really is. And and importantly, a lot of the people who are complaining about Jedi Survivor played Jedi Order on the Xbox One, or sorry, the Xbox One X, right? The the old one, right. which I did. And that game was supposed to run 60 as well in performance mode and did not. It 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 very much performed like Jedi Survivor did, which is that it was regularly below 60 FPS even in performance mode. And then they updated it for the Xbox Series X and it runs at a stable 60 FPS. But if you play Jedi Order on the Xbox One X or the PS4 Pro possibly, um, you're going to get basically the exact same performance experience you get with Jedi Survivor in terms of frames. So it's... So you know. when the hell did so the Xbox One or PS4 Pro run anything that wasn't a 
tiny little indie game at 60 fps i never got any kind of performance like that out of any of those things the ser- the uh ser- the series the one x, x? Not, the, the one x yeah or the, the one Pro. x ran some stuff at 60 fps yeah, it wasn't I, mean, I can't imagine like it would game, but fall in order at that i mean it claimed to it had a performance yeah, well, mode that was dumb. supposed it was aiming for 60 <laughs> fps it, so it, it basically did the exact same thing so here's the funny thing um to your point so there there's console people saying they're having issues um, but again on the PC, uh, so Asante's in our chat. He said, I'm on a 4090 13th gen machine. He just built a new PC, like brand new. Uh, and he said it runs quite well, 90% well. Then in, in Hoax chat, 90%. um, Christopher said cyberpunk ran 120 FPS on my PC. This is max 70 FPS on a 4090. So it's like the, the disparity between what you hear from one person to the next about how this game runs yeah. is wild to me. It's just like. It might be specific configurations too. I have no idea if it's like, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like the the PC situation, I see somebody saying in the, in the comments that it's not hard. Okay. That's no, it is hard. It is hard. I assure you it's hard. It's hard to develop your game and try to think of all the possible configurations in terms of, if you don't know the, the, you know, memory you're targeting, the CPU that you're working with, all that stuff, it is hard to account for that. And, I'm not saying that as an excuse, by the way. I'm saying it's hard and they should have done the work. They should have delayed the (laughs) PC port. They should have just said, hey, PC players, you're getting the game a year later, like Rockstar does when they release Grand Theft Auto, right? Like you, they they could have easily done that. And I think they probably would have saved face because I think without the PC disaster, console players would probably largely be loving this game. And I am seeing a lot of love for it, by the way. People who are just completely oblivious to the PC situation, just like, posting their w's on console and being like oh my god this is the best game ever a lot of and people love the game yeah no doubt a lot of people love the game probably not any pc players because i haven't seen it run on any pc players rigs um for the people wondering about why the reviews are high because i have seen a lot of like people going oh you know paid shills the, the reviews were phoned in blah 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 so i want to um, get to that i want to get to that yeah hold that thought Hold that thought. Okay, cool. We'll get to that yeah. later. Though. By the way, I was laughing a moment ago, not at what you were saying, Travis, but at uh, Agnes in the chat who said cries in Switch player. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, yeah, that's a whole, Here's the thing, a whole different conversation. Player, you know, when, when you're Switch player, you know exactly what you're getting. If you spent, yeah. four, like I have, like $4,000 on a gaming PC and it can't run this game as well as it runs Jedi Survivor, that feels terrible. But yeah, also, yeah. If, if you're a PC player, you probably know that this isn't new like i've been a pc player for years and like pc ports have sucked for decades this is not yeah, a new very, phenomenon they're very yeah. hit or miss uh, and there's yeah, been a lot of examples this year where pc launches have been bad we don't have to bring up the last of us which you know a few weeks ago was a disaster uh dead space had issues there's a bun- been a bunch of bad pc releases recently um so it's interesting i will say now that i have a, a high-end pc new pc and obviously ps5 series x it's nice being able to just look around and be like all right where do i feel like playing this <laughs> and just pick wherever you know is, is you, best yeah uh, yeah you, you pick the but that's not that's not reasonable for most players and i, I agree think, yeah. agree yeah if you own a console you're feeling pretty good about your decision right now and then you're <clears> playing i think we just talked about a game a couple weeks ago that did the opposite it was basically only playable on pc and that console version is really bad and so um yeah feels like we're gonna have that conversation again soon (laughs) if you're a console player part of what you pay for is uh what 
Oh, oh God! I know. What keep you're going. About. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. I forgot. I forgot already. Um, if you're a console player, um, part of what you pay for is the console owners protecting you from bad games that are released, <clears throat> and so you have a real reason to be pissed when uh, a a game is sold to you on those platforms that doesn't work well because those that's supposed to be caught by their QA team. There's a certification process. Um, PC largely doesn't have that. And so when your game, when you buy a game on PC, you kind of have to either do your own research or talk to somebody or look at user reviews or do something like that because who knows how it runs and there's nobody to protect you because it's a laissez-faire, you know, situation over there. Um, uh, but yeah, I, 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 I feel for PC players. I think that the console hate is overblown and it's a lot of people on PC passing judgment on the console version for not running a steady 60. I don't know if there were very many people who own a Series X or PS5 who were expecting a stable 60 FPS on this game. That is not the history of this franchise on console. It has not not done that historically. And it's also, importantly, Jedi Survivor is not really the type of game that needs 60 FPS. There's a reason it cannot hit the 60 are you FPS. Sta- are you starting with this again? I mean, I mean, it's true. It's just true. It's not a Twitch shooter. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a, it's a precision parrying combat. Like with the window Ring. that's it's like a 19 minutes. It it's a matter. 19 minute parry window. It's my first matter. Souls-like. It requires no, it very little skill. It's it's that, a very a simple game. Excuse. Keep going, Dan. Keep going, Dan. I've been it's waiting to excuse. click this button. I mean, come on now. Nice. I mean, and then you you say that there's console players that weren't really hey, Dan, expecting it. Based let me on ask you a follow up question before you continue. Can I ask a follow up question before you continue? Have you played the game? No, no, I'm not saying. This. Shut not up! About, no, this is not about Jedi Survivor, right? This is about the general, the general crap that we've been getting for the past year. Why? I want a steady six FPS. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the funny uh, thing is <laughs> the funny thing is i completely agree with dan and the con- concept of what he's saying yeah. because we've had this conversation many times around we should be able to expect 60 frames per second on the flip side i also am with travis where there's way too much conversation from people generally on games they haven't played um and that can get very frustrating man you caught me off guard <laughs> it's a larger conversation about the state of release game releases that we've had in the past yes. few months that's that's yes. what i'm talking about not this but game specifically. I, I, and it I may think run great fair conversation that is by the way i'm that's not invalidating that i'm not invalidating that at all i want i think i think the next step of this conversation <laughs> is we're going to talk about instability in game releases and i'm a, i'm your ally on that 100 yes. your ally on that because right. game Aww. games have been releasing in a in a completely un un not okay state for a while right. my problem with the jedi survivor is i really do think it's frame rate fascists going if you don't get the 60 fps you're not worth playing and that's just simply not true especially for certain types of games and i would say third over the shoulder, you know, third person adventure games like Jedi Survivor is a great example of a game that doesn't need to be 60 FPS to be enjoyed. And look no further than the people who've played the game and are saying that. All the reviewers, right? Which we're going to talk about. Uh, sure. Ain said that that's coming up next, right? The right. people reviewing right. the game are, are playing it. That's 
you know, it, it doesn't run a stable at 60 FPS. Neither did Jedi order. You played that game and you didn't run it at 60 FPS, Dan, and you liked it. Right. Because Therefore, I had a piece of crap console. That you do now. Do the console you own now is a piece of crap. It's $500. Yes, but, it can, but now it can my, run the previous Dan, game. As my GPU FPS. costs three times what your console costs. I don't okay? care about your GPU. I care about but that, my but that's I'm, I'm telling you, your console, you can't buy a $500 console and expect it to run every game at 60 FPS. It's just <clears> not going not to. not saying that it, they literally, okay, that's fine. If they hadn't put a performance mode in, then you'd be, your, your argument would be valid. However, they did. Like, if you just want, a, they should have just made it one mode. Why even put it in the option to have a performance mode then? I don't understand that. Because the Maybe, performance mode runs at a higher frame rate than the quality version. Yeah, what thirty two? I mean, what? what no, the, the performance the performance version on mine is like probably sometimes it's hit sixty, very rarely, and it goes between you know fifty two and sixty. It it bounces around, but and sometimes it's really bad, like it actually hitches, and you have like you know lost frames, and then and then it jumps back up. But it's it's awesome. sort of like stuff you're used to when you play a game, and you're like, all right, yeah, there's a lot of load right now, and then and then it passes. A couple seconds later, it passes. And I've only really had it happen like two or three times. I had it once when I first got to one of the new planets. And then once on Coruscant Dirt Fight, it like hitched for a second. And I went, uh-oh. But, you know, by and large, it's it's not an experience ruining uh, situation. The, the funny thing is, so literally one comment apart in our chat. Luke said, I love Jedi. And he's a diehard Star Wars guy. I love Jedi, but I've lost at least four hours of progress due to collective crashes. And he's on Xbox, I believe. Um, yeah, and then bad. Sarko, Sarko, I like I had that, yeah. one comment later says Jedi Survivor has been an awesome ride this far. That's what I mean. It just seems it seems all over the place. All over the place. It, it, to, that's why I haven't bought it. There is no consensus on what how this game runs. It's 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 either it's awesome or it's trash. So I'm not I don't think anybody's to... saying it's awesome. The performance is not awesome. The performance no, no, from is from a story perspective. The, the performance is passable for in what I expected on console based on what we know about how powerful <laughs> these consoles are and how big Jedi Survivor is. What's that? <laughs> and then your expectations are too low. No, I'm I just have realistic expectations of what is in the console. I know what's in the console. I know how powerful the consoles are. Yeah. Nobody so here's yeah. the dum dum babies like us. Over here, right here, sitting right here, did not understand that. We thought that the most powerful console in the world would be able to do certain things. The people that are not console savvy or, or tech savvy. The most powerful you know, console in the world is like saying the smartest redneck in the world. You know what I mean? Like it's not, not a high still, bar to clear. We saw, you know, we saw kind of this jump in performance, right? Like it's like right out the bat with like games like Bahala and then like. Legion, and we thought it was like, oh, look what this thing can do. This is awesome. And then all of a sudden, it's bottleneck, bottleneck, bottleneck. You start talking about crap that I don't understand. All I know is that my game looks like crap. All of a sudden, I think. I think to be fair, I, I think again, you both have valid points. Right. But I think Dan, I think Dan, right? Take it from the perspective of you've you've paid five hundred dollars for a console, which you were told, right? And I know you agree with this, Travis, right? You yeah. were told from marketing that this is going to provide next-gen experiences and higher frame rates and higher graphical which, fidelity. Which it so does, by the way. It does. It does. It does. But, you know, it, it has led to expectations, to your point, that are probably too high. But I wouldn't say it's the fault of the consumer, right? The consumer is is listening to what they're told and expects doesn't expect these types of issues at launch. 
They just don't. Well, it's a little bit the fault of the consumer because I because the consumer is getting the stuff that look, the console is the most powerful console in the world. The the Series X, it is from from what I can tell, the most powerful console in the world. It does run games at higher frame rate. Many games on the console are at 60 it FPS does. locked. Well, it runs it, a bunch of games in 120 as well. But. It runs a lot of games in 4K. Maybe yeah almost all of them and for it runs a lot of option. games in 4k maybe not 4k textures that's a whole different conversation yeah yeah it does a lot of that stuff but i think the expectation that as the life cycle of the console goes on and we're now you know multiple year, years into these consoles um and certain games like starfield does anybody think starfield is going to run at 60 fps on the series no. x no why is it okay to have that why is it okay to have that expectation, right? Like there's certain games we know aren't going to run at those right. frame rates. And I think <laughs> anybody who thought that, that's a little bit of fault of the consumer. If there's anybody out there who is expecting- Because Starfield they told to us it would run at 60 frames. <laughs> Did they tell the, you that Starfield would run at 60 frames? No, no. Yeah. But they told us Jedi Survivor would because there was a oh, yeah. frame performance. <laughs> well, stop that's opening fair. your damn mouth. <laughs> and just shut the hell up and release whatever you're going to release and we'll just see what happens Stop. They, they're setting they, the expectations with what they're telling us before it comes out there's literally i literally saw a sticker on a redfall hard copy that said 60 fps and then there's a sticker that said this does not re release at 60 fps at launch that's where we're at all right yeah for god's sake stop stop it stop not holding these people accountable hold their feet over the fire and stop making goddamn excuses for these guys that that just it, it just blows my mind and that's all we do and it's not just the xbox it's the ps5 too it's and i'm not even blaming the developers it may be the people up here that like we need to release this because we need to hit this quarter and we need to hit this money right now the developers work so hard on this stuff and it and this kind of conversation it really minimizes what they've done all right, because I'm sure Jedi Survivor is an amazing game, you know, and, and they just didn't have the time. And that's what really ticks me off. It's, it's mostly these publishers that have to have their freaking quarterlies or whatever the hell they are. I don't understand that crap either. I just want a game yeah. that comes out that runs like it says it was going to run. And if that's asking too much, then maybe I shouldn't be a gamer. Maybe I should go somewhere else. You know, I know what I'm so I agree with everything you said just now, by the way. I'm just I agree with everything you said just now. I I was referring specifically to specific examples, or I, I was referring to non-specific examples, the idea that every game is gonna run 60 FPS, which I think is both an unrealistic expectation. One, B, not what they said when they sold the console. They said the standard will be 60 FPS, right? And sure. among other things, I think there are some some things that are the player's fault, but you're 100% right that in the specific examples you mentioned where they said that one thing was going to happen and then they didn't, that's bullshit. And that's what I'm talking 100%. about. It's not, yeah, it's not, 100%. We, we, we know that, you know, Starfield, there's no way, there's no way. If they do it, they're <laughs> magical. You know, like if, 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 no, if they do it, they just, they could just render it in 480p. That would right. be 60. <laughs> right. And I don't know anything about development, but I think that they, you know, mo it, I, I don't blame them for this stuff. I don't blame them for when, when, when games release in this kind of state, because it's not their decision. You know, they, they, they work, you know, maybe some of the upper level guys, but you know, and, and but they, they work their butts off, you know, and, and they do as best they can and they do with what, you know, what time constraints they have. So I'm not mad at them. It's stupid to be mad at those people. It's, 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 that just shouldn't be released, 
you know, games like this. You know, everybody's expecting, like you said, Travis, Starfield's going to be at 30. If it's not, I'll be shocked, right? But it's also doing, like to your point of, of a lot of things, it's doing a lot more maybe in the background. I don't know yeah. anything about it. You know, there's but a that's lot a realistic expectation, Dan. And that's a, a realistic lot of, expectation. A lot Why? of the frame rate, a lot of the frame rate fascists say your game cannot not hit 60. And even if you have to cut the game in half, right? Mm. Have the baby to, to make it happen, it has right. to hit 60. And that's what I push against in, in these sorts of things. I also push against the idea that Jedi Survivor is broken on console. It's just not. There's way too many people playing it, and it runs almost identically in terms of frames to Jedi Order. It's a enjoyable experience for those games. I I I have no problem with with everything else that you're saying, and I think that uh, on PC it 100% should have been delayed. That's not a state you can release a game in. But I think Jedi Survivor, it'll get patches. It'll probably be better. But right now on console, there's a lot of people enjoying it, and I think that they yeah, should have just held sure. off on the PC version. That's that's it. The PC version is unacceptable. Yeah, our uh, <laughs> our reviewer actually stopped in, Alex. Shout out to Alex saying, coming here to say, yes, Jedi Survivor has performance issues in the big worlds. It stabilizes in smaller areas, and the performance overall doesn't ruin what is an amazing game. That so and that is say. pretty much what everybody's saying who's actually played the game on yep. console. And by the way, oh, so are we getting to the review part yet? I keep almost going there. Yes, I because I want to I wanna, I wanna get your thoughts on something, and Dan can obviously offer his his thoughts as well before we do that shout out to uh our our uh, regular brentwood chic i didn't get to shout it out because we were in versus mode and travis is breaking microphones again but uh gifting memberships over at the channels as always very generous thank you very much for that it really does uh, especially on the sg side it really helps us out uh in terms of support so thank you very much so travis <clears throat> the next before we get to the the broken game conversation i want to talk about the reviews of this game right so reviews came out. Uh, it got a lot of nines. Uh, IGN gave it a nine, uh, and there's you know My good scores across. Gave it a nine. Mm -hmm. Your boss gave it a nine. Good scores across the board. Um, and then there's others who, again, some of the bigger content creators. I don't know if any major sites. I'd have to look, uh, but said we're just going to wait to review this because of performance. So I want to, I want to get your thoughts on this because I I've kind of gone back and forth on this, and I've said that. Yeah, these need to be called out. And I think whether or not it affects your score is one thing. So I'm going to read real quick what, and I'm not pointing at IGN specifically, just the larger conversation of does performance or should performance, depending on how bad it is or issues, uh, affect review score? Yes. So, okay. Yes okay. 100%. I, and I agree with you. I agree with yeah. you uh, holistically, anyway, um, or on, on large. But I phrases are all over the place. But here is what Dan, I guess, wrote in not Dan for those watching, not our Dan, Dan Stapleton over to yet. <clears throat> he said throughout it all, Survivor is a gorgeous game with beautifully detailed environments and characters. And perhaps as a result, not one of the best performing my PS5 playthrough. So he's on console saw some fairly gnarly slowdowns from the expected 30 frame per second in 4K quality mode, especially when fighting around smoke or fog which made timing by parries or dodges difficult. Disappointingly, even the 1440p performance mode isn't close to holding a lock 60. I also saw a few crashes and bugs that forced me to quit and reload my save. Um, EA has naturally promised more patches will come with improvements on all platforms, but if history is any guide, it might take a little while before it's completely ironed out. Uh, 
Yep. So he he kind of touches on the things we're talking about and that we've heard from the people having issues, right? And he and he gave it a nine. And I, and obviously I'm not putting you on the spot to criticize your boss or, or IGN. No, but, I I want you to do that. <laughs> oh, okay. No so, but we heard this from a lot of people who reviewed it, right? And you get those day one reviews out. There's a reason we have day one reviews. We all know what they are. We've talked about that many times. Um, but if this is me, right? And I got this question when I reviewed Cyberpunk at launch. Um, my experience of Cyberpunk on Series X was generally fine. I got a few bugs, you know, some T poses here and there, stuff like that, but nothing that really broke my experience, right? I didn't have, I had one crash. Uh, and I've talked about this before, nothing that really damaged my playthrough. Um, this, he's talking about a lot of slowdown, a lot of frame rate issues. He mentioned several crashes, bugs to quit and reload, and yet still giving the game a nine. So my question is, what are your thoughts around that, right? Like if you are a reviewer, you, we've, you and I have talked about, you can only speak to what you experience, right? You can't go off of anyone else but yeah. what you experience. If I'm playing a game for review, and it has issues so severe that it's crashing. I'm having to reload. This happened with me with Returnal. Returnal, I lost hours of progress reviewing that game. Uh, and I called that out and, you know, docked it a bit in the review for it. Uh, but I made sure to point out that, hey, if this gets fixed up, these issues will be resolved. But this game got nine and nine and a half from some places. In fact, I think VGC, not that I should call them out because uh, um, gave it a 10 despite talking about issues that seems off to me personally so um a couple things because you're talking on a lot of issues that reviews have yeah. to think about because one is the can you give a game a 10 a perfect score even when it's not a perfect game and i would say yes and can well, a game have yeah. lots of problems yes 10 doesn't I, mean I, perfect as you and i have agreed doesn't mean perfect times. a game could still be a masterpiece <clears> and have performance issues 100 also it's worth noting yet again that scoring and how you feel about a game is 100% subjective and so yes it could mean anything depending on the person it's really just about credibility and how much do you trust that person's opinion and Dan Stapleton is somebody I trust he's my boss he taught me a lot about how to review games and what it means to to be a reviewer so obviously he's somebody I look up to um and uh yeah the the comments that I that Dan made I think are there's a couple things happening here one People online were assuming that because EA promised in the patch notes that anytime we encountered a bug, any reviewer encountered a bug, they just go, to, oh, well, that's in the patch notes, so I'm just not going to count it, right? Mm. I'm just not going to count. I'm not going to think about it. That's not what yeah. happens. At least at IGN, it's not what happens. They, what yeah. happens is when you review a game, they give you a review guide, and part of the review guide includes a large list of uh, bugs that they know are in the game that they yep. claim that they have already fixed or that is going to be fixed before players play it. Uh, and that's called like what's included in the day one patch or, you know, bugs you'll see, yada, yada. If there's a specific example of like, hey, this specific thing happens at this part and that that will be patched out. Those are pretty easy to ignore. Right. And and I think those probably should be ignored. Great. Good example. If you're there's a cut scene where, you know, one character, um, uh, the subtitles are different from what he's saying. Right. And they mentioned that specifically in the patch notes. That's like, and it says, Hey, during this cutscene, his subtitles are wrong. That's like a pretty easy example of, okay, that's a very specific problem. That's in one cutscene, one line of dialogue yeah. that has different subtitles. They're sure. going to fix that. But if they say su stuff like, and a lot of them do, Oh, there will be performance improvements throughout. That's bullshit. 
crashing will be addressed you know stuff like that like that's yeah. like stuff where maybe it's true but we, as a reviewer you do not take them at their word you go right. look it happened to me i'm writing about it like that's it and people who uh give you review codes understand that that's going to happen and usually they give it to you understanding okay well the 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 issues aren't that big of a deal if they happen to a player in real life then we would be okay with it and and we're just going to put it out there because we want our game to be out so there's that um so that that is not happening we're not going okay the day one patch says this is fixed so we're just going to give them a pass nobody's doing that IGN's not doing that okay the other thing is the the paragraph that Dan included on performance, I think is a responsible one. He's telling the truth. It doesn't maintain Great. 30 FPS in quality mode. It doesn't maintain 60 FPS in performance mode. The question is, how much does that impact your enjoyment of the game? And I can only speak for myself and what I got from Dan's review, which is that it does not run a, fra a, a, a stable frame rate uh, on either of those. It doesn't run at the the promised frame rate i would say the frame right. rate's pretty stable on mine it's just not a stable 60 it's like a stable like 55 52 depending on on uh which area i'm in um the the question is does that impact your enjoyment of the game and which again is a 100 subjective uh question i can only speak for myself which is for me it does not it it at, it's disappointing when the frame rate hitches completely and you're like okay that was a weird moment where things kind of got out of a line, but that doesn't happen very often, at least in my experience. And it, obviously in Dan's review, since he gave it a nine as well, it also didn't affect him that much. There are some people out there, the frame rate fascists, who, if the game doesn't run 60, they are incapable of enjoying it, enjoying it according to them. If you're one of those people, you're living on a completely different review scale than I could attest to, because that's just not the frame, <laughs> frame I see the world from. Um, but uh, if, if you're like that, then yeah, you like find somebody who believes that as well and, and is writing reviews that way. I'm not that guy. And I think Dan probably isn't either. Interestingly, Dan is more probably concerned with frame rates and stuff like that. So the fact that he still gave it a nine should tell you a lot. Um, but to answer your question, Ains, yes, a game can not meet its performance standards that it tries to meet and still be fun. <laughs> Yes, it can still you can still crash a bunch of times and still be like, okay, well, I crashed. But when I will go back and I think about me playing the game, do I think about the three times that it crashed and I had to reset it? Or do I think about the 40 hours that I played it and it was totally fine? And if that's how you experience the game, you can 100% give it a nine. And I think that's what happened. So it's not uh, anybody being dishonest. It's just people giving their honest opinions and people disagreeing with it. And the people who disagree with those opinions strongly perceive those differing opinions as insincerity or dishonesty. But that's not what's happening. It's just honestly held beliefs and people telling you what they felt when they played the game. And I do think that the majority of the people who are saying, I don't believe you, you're lying, blah, 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 either have not played the game or played it on PC. And the last thing I want to talk or about, or just generally don't have common sense or coming from a bias. Or don't, or don't have common sense. <laughs> there, there, there's some of that, but I'm trying to be charitable to some of these people. At least. <laughs> um, there, there's also uh, <clears throat> the question of review platform. This comes up a lot and it's, it's actually super important to the review process, which is when the reviewer gives you a chance to review the game, it's, it's a little telling and how cooked the game is based on which platforms they offer you. In this case, my understanding is Jedi Survivor 
you were told which platform you were playing on and it was not PC. Therefore, they knew there was problems with the PC version or they were at least uh, more uh, kind of less confident about it because they had more I don't, faith in the console version. They had more yeah. faith in the console version because I personally don't know anybody who reviewed the game on PC and it was not a choice that we were given. And so the best we can do is we can tell you what the game felt like on the platform we play on and we specifically highlight this was reviewed on PS5. Right. So we're only attesting to the quality of the PS5 at this point in time. And then, you know, later we can play it on other platforms and we can update the review. Or sometimes what we've done is we've done separate reviews for separate platforms if they diverge enough. We did two different reviews for Cyberpunk 2077. A lot of people forget that. We did a uh, PC version and then we did an Xbox One version. Yes. And it was a nine versus a four. Right. Like those were the, <laughs> the that was, that was uh, the divergence there. Um, and so uh, I, I think that's important too, is a lot of people don't know that. A lot of the reviews happened on console and console is a very different state for the game. And so a lot of these reviews, including IGNs, were on PS5, where the game is not anything resembling what it's like on PC. So, so wait, is that worth mentioning in the review then? I mean, like we, that, do, review, we do mention it. Not, not just saying I played this on a play at PS5. That's saying one thing. You know, you see that a lot in, the, in reviews. Is it worth noting like that? OK, well, we were sent, you know, or that that. It sounds, you know, it sounds like you know everybody got console versions of the review code, or yeah, oh, you know, I I don't know how you can tell that generally, but yeah, uh, that, that's, that's all the, they see throughout. That's the problem, Dan, is that we right. don't have a good idea of why or if that happened until the reviews are already out, because sometimes it's just a like, oh, you know, we're on we're on PC, but our our PlayStation version, it's a marketing deal, right? And so we have to have all the review copies be on PS5 or um it's a that's where we got through our certification process first right it was what yeah. on the playstation or um, yeah like Hog actually, hogwarts was ps5 for review because for review because of marketing. marketing yeah yeah sometimes it's uh because uh you actually have to, the publishers actually have to pay money for the review codes uh so they get sold the review codes at a discounted price all the codes that they distribute but they actually have to pay for them after a certain number they get a certain number for free and then after that they pay i think they get like a hundred for free most cases and and then every other copy they give out to streamers or outlets, they actually have to pay for. And so sometimes it's like, which platform is it cheapest to acquire a key on? And so I guess the the point is, it's so hard to tell why a platform is being given on a certain or why a, a review code is being given on a certain platform or what the deal is. We have no idea during the review process. And so we have to wait until after it comes out. And then if we see trends like, oh, you know, they didn't offer us a PC copy. And when we asked, they said, you know, I don't have any codes yet. And then we noticed online that now the reviews are out and nobody has a PC one. They probably avoided it because the game was buggy. So there's just no way to like call it out before the review. But I do get that that is a real concern. Um, I would just say if you're a consumer of reviews, pay attention to what platforms it's being reviewed on. Sometimes that means something. In this case, it probably did because I think there were Xbox and PlayStation and not a lot of P PC reviews out it there. It was almost, if you look at um, where they were reviewed from, like the Metacritic Open Critic, it was like 90% PS5. There you go. So sometimes there, that, that's, there's a reason for it. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes there's just an innocent coincidence or you know marketing deal like Hogwarts because Hogwarts or they or they ask you. Uh, yeah. I've had a few games recently where the publisher has asked me what do I want to play it on. When um, they ask that, they, that gives me a lot more confidence in the game because I'm like, oh, they're they're down for any platform. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so. and I you know at that point I try to 
figure out where it may best run. Um, but I, I generally agree with you, Travis, and you and I have talked extensively about this. Uh, one, you can only speak to the experience you personally have, right? You shouldn't speak to anyone else, uh, any chatter. Um, the other thing you should call out issues, of course, if the issues impact your enjoyment of the game uh, or uh, in a significant way where it's causing you trouble reviewing the game, that's got to factor in. It has to. Um, but as I said, uh, and it sounds like you tried to explain for Dan uh, Stapleton, that is, um, and, and others, if you know there's some slowdown here and there, maybe a crash or two, but you start the game and you're right back where you were without lost progress, that's a different issue than you know, game constantly crashing, losing progress, uh, broken things. You know, there's things that I've reviewed in games before where just like objective markers are broken. You can't continue a quest, right? That's a whole nother issue. So, um, yeah, a lot of, there's a lot of, I, you and I always talk about, there's a lot of context and nuance to these conversations. And sadly, the arguments that happen across social media don't leave room for context or nuance. They automatically race to the, someone was paid off, someone uh you know uh they're biased against a certain platform um and and i can tell you i've been doing this for a while now as an independent outlet i talk to a lot of people not just travis of course at the biggest outlet in the world but i talk to a lot of people at other outlets and there's probably some of that out there right but generally speaking on the whole that stuff just doesn't happen guys it just doesn't um people are genuinely or generally i should say trying to do the best they can with what they're given so yeah yeah it's a lot lot of of people honestly trying to navigate the situation and i think a lack of trust between people and media in general which i would argue is is somewhat warranted but largely unwarranted personally that's just my the way i look at the situation is uh causes causes everybody to look at each other as a bad actor when honestly it's just people trying their best especially in the games industry. That's just my, been my experience. People trying their best. Yeah, and, and when Travis spoke about those, when you when you get those review codes, you get a gigantic, you know, and it's a lot of information. You know, I remember you the do. first one I saw was when we got Bahala, and I was like, dang, man, there is a lot more, you know, that goes into this than people, I think, realize. I didn't. And and, and it's, it's a... You're talking about a review with, guide? That you get. Yeah, like it's like the huge review guy with like you know pages and pages of stuff. You know, like this is known issues. These are, you know, there's some of the review guides are giant, huge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like yeah, reading really material. big, and yeah. it's a lot to kind of go through. And then you have to kind of cater your review a little bit based on some of the stuff that's in there. I mean, just you know, because there's guidelines and and stuff like that where where it's like you know embargo dates, obviously, but you know. You know, also you stuff of, you stuff they don't want you to spoil is what dan's right. talking about yeah. he's not saying well, like oh you can't talk about this right like, right right, right. Yeah. usually usually what they're telling you is like hey don't show any cutscenes where this right. happens because of spoilers and so they, yeah. they try to you know don't show the grapple hook because we want that to be a surprise for players in the third act right. stuff like that where right where they're they're trying to just like protect the player they're not trying to do i have that shit. right now yep yeah 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 yep there's I'm certain things called out for that for that reason um so <laughs> with all this conversation around jedi and stuff uh me and dan haven't played it travis how far are you let's keep it we've talked about the issues we've talked about the reviews how far into the game are you and are you enjoying it as a star wars fanatic i'm a couple uh planets into the game so okay. I, I think players will know how long that is um i'm really enjoying it as a star wars game and stars fanatic it's a fantastic star wars game the the characters you meet and the kind of town you're putting together on one of the planets 
Ains, you'll be happy to know that one of the goofiest characters is voided, voiced, voice acted by our boy who plays Rasputin in Psychonauts. Um, and yes, he's, he's he's perfect for Star Wars. By the way, he's got like the perfect voice to play an alien in Star Wars. Fantastic! Um, it's already up yeah, a half point so, for me. So. Yeah, honestly, I, I as soon as I heard that voice, I was like, "Where do I recognize that voice?" Oh my god, that's Rasputin! <laughs> it's, it's so good. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, and it, it really is disappointing that so much of the PC discussion and just talk about performance in general is weighing down what I think is one of the better games I've played this year. I'm not all the way through it. I do have problems with it, by the way, as much as I'm uh, I'm not uh, like mad at its performance on consoles as much as other people. Um, you know, it's uh, it's still very easy uh, Souls like gameplay, which even on the hardest oh, is it really? kind of like. Yeah, even on the hardest difficulty, it's like eh, okay, well, it's not it's not like a incredibly challenging game, but by and large, like the way it expands its side quests, uh, the, uh, making builds is now more of a thing. Uh, all the different lightsaber stances that were added and stuff like that, it just it surprises me when it adds stuff, and I'm like, oh, that that should have been in the first one. Um, also, the map isn't that improved. That really bothers me too. <laughs> it's kind of improved, but it's not that improved. And I'm like, oh, you had one job recently. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I feel like they frames. should have got that pretty, pretty good. So, um, I definitely have have issues with it. I don't know where I haven't finished the game, so I can't finalize my review. But I definitely can see where Dan's coming from with the nine. Um, I don't know if I would be that high. I, I again, I haven't finished it, but my God, it is great story um great world uh, fighting the through the areas and just being in a star wars souls like is amazing the, the mobility is way better than it was in the first game they really up their game in terms of just like movement another thing i really love about the game it doesn't do that awkward thing where you lose all your powers and then have to regain them back and so you don't have double jump or wall run for the beginning it gives you access to all the stuff you had in the first game right away and then you start unlocking new stuff Good. early on and Good. I'm like, yes, it's like, it's just additive. It's not like, oh, you know, your Samus suit, suit exploded and now you have, uh, you know, you have to go grab your super yeah. bomb again. It's like, no, it doesn't do that mm -hmm. at all. It's like, nope, you got all your force awesome. powers and now you're just adding new stuff onto it and becoming even stronger, um, which is really cool. Um, and I'm really excited to see where the story goes because I hear that the ending is like, I hear it's a very backloaded game. Like I hear the ending is going to be like crazy. So, so Alec, um, Alex just posted, he said, there's a moment halfway through the game that will be talked about as one of the most exciting moments of any game this year i was in awe yeah. yep i'm i'm at i've got past that point it's it's so yeah. damn good yeah okay you guys are pre-blowing awesome. my mind let's just slow down here a little so bit. dan i honestly like i know that you're a, a frame rate fascist in some regards <laughs> but i honestly I love think the frame rate you, fascist word by the way i love yeah. it yeah, thank you. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah uh but uh i i honestly think if you if you were if you played the series x version you probably wouldn't notice uh except for the parts where it like straight up hitches, you wouldn't notice the, the frame rate not meeting 60 uh, most of the time since it gets close-ish. I, I want to play it on the PS5 because of the DualSense features, though. That's that's Oh, then do that. It, know, I mean, it runs similarly. I think that's where, I think, yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I it probably runs people. best on PS5, yeah. Yeah. Mr. Babby, I actually messaged him last night on PSN. I was like, how is that performance rate? He's like, it's pretty rough. You know, he said, but the quality mode is, it runs pretty well you know i mean there's really no big issues and stuff like that it's just man well, it's the just it, you know, the, the whole thing is just it's yeah. 
this whole trend really that we're doing here and, and these kind of half finished games or like fully finished, but like not fully optimized games, right? I guess. Uh, is this our transition names? Are we going to the next topic? Because yeah, I think that's where Dan's. Yeah, we can. Just Let me just get the two out. super chats that have been sitting oh, for a while. Chats. Let's do that real quick. Yeah, we've got just two that I want to get to. Uh, sure. Nine nails, gal. Nine, nine nails. Yeah, if, if Hogue comes on after I fall asleep, I'm going to cry in the morning. Love to Hogue. Mrs. <laughs> Hogue and the Hoaglings. Thanks, Big Cast, for helping each week. Of do. course. Of course. Thank you. Uh, love to Australia. Yeah, you guys are in a different world over there. I think it's. Got 17 hours ahead from where we're at so it's like whatever wow. that is at 9 p.m on monday right why, why can't we have kangaroos or they're over because i talked to elliot who does the video editing at season gaming is in australia oh, wow. and like and when we're talking about editing and so we're always like all over the place on our times it's a mess but yeah. thank you very much uh and then um dawn's in the house Hope we get a Hogue appearance today with this topic. Yeah, it's still about to happen. Thoughts about Star Wars, though, and we've talked about it offline, and he's kind of on my side. Yeah. He's been playing the game, and he yes. hasn't really been that impacted by the performance issues, and he's just loving it. So um, that's a little preview on what Hogue will probably say, unless his opinions have changed. Maybe he, he put on the armband uh, in between that conversation. <laughs> oh, that's a good, that's a good shout. Um, uh, yeah, he did. He said he was really enjoying it. As I said, he may swing by here. We're not sure. Um, so just wish him the best. Um, you know, stuff going on. But Don, thank you, brother. Good to good to have you. And Shush is back. Yeah, with the five euros. How easy, or is that pound? No, that's euros. Say euros. That's euros. Yeah. Uh, how easily uh, defeat droids and Jedi Survivor PC force pool the ram sticks out. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need that sound effect in our sounds. Yeah. Um, Those droids do remind me of PC players. They yeah. talk all the time. They're bots. It's great. <laughs> Gosh dang it! Yeah. I, mean, I would like to point out. I would like to point out. I have a new, very expensive PC, and you don't hear me rambling about it. Like yeah. playing games, I don't feel superior in any way. Just play your games and shut up. It's I fine. also have a new forty ninety uh, Ryzen nine PC, and I you do hear me talking about it. I think I'm better. Than <laughs> I am now I better hate, than I, everyone. I hate you all. Um, I spit on your graves, and also I run Jedi Survivor at twelve FPS. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think. Um, I guess the topic, and we talked a little bit in DMs about this, and it really just kind of continues what we were just talking about, which is this is not uncommon now, right? So we see games getting delayed constantly, and even after delays, they release unoptimized. Uh, not necessarily what I would call unfinished. It depends on what your definition of finished is, right? There, We had the arguments with Halo. Is is it a complete game? And Travis and I took that to, you know, to bat. Um but I think that unoptimized is probably the fairer word here, or the more fair word. Um, and it sounds like that's what we're seeing out of Jedi. It's what we saw out of Dead Space. It's what we saw out of Callisto. It's what, you know, I mean, the list goes on. There's been an, an awful lot of unoptimized games. In fact, I just want to shout out Capcom because Capcom's games have been killing it at launch for a while now. Yeah. And Resident Evil 4 amazing at launch as well uh, i actually joked on twitter which blew up and people took me way too last seriously somebody commented that one was last of us on pc disaster yeah. um 
but I joked on Twitter that who saw at the start of 2023, who is the betting man that said that Dead Island 2 would be the best optimized game at launch? <laughs> you didn't see that tweet? Let me go edit but, uh, tweet real quick. <laughs> but generally speaking, we see this a lot now. Um, and, and obviously, as we grew up, you know, we're most of us are older here, not Travis. Um, but, you know, we grew up in an era where that just didn't happen because you didn't have patches that could be pushed out. The game right. had to release ready. Right. Yeah. So what is it? Uh, I've I know, Travis, you've talked to some developers about this. I have talked to a few developers about this. And the, the consensus I seem to get is that generally people and I mean the vast majority of people, especially on social media, don't understand the differences that are required for game development today, which include, as you said, permutations across all kinds of different hardware because PCs a big, obviously a big percentage, the biggest per single percentage of gaming in the space now, right? And those permutations themselves are massive. Then you have cross-gen stuff, right? So you've got PS4, PS5, you've got Xbox One, Xbox One X, Xbox Series S, Xbox Series X, right? Um, and then... Once you even once you take all the hardware variances out of it, what they've told me is the connectivity and the cross kind of uh, development, you know, to get things to work across servers, cross play to work, cross save to work, all these different features that are generally required out of AAA games nowadays, uh, working on different launchers, working on different, uh, you know, uh, lobby systems, all of these things kind of culminate into basically a, a disaster in trying to get these things to work coherently uh, and effectively. And they've told me directly that just with the way engines are and the code is and how one line of code that you may fix something can break 20 other things down the line, um, they've essentially told me that it just takes an extremely long time to fix things effectively, test it properly, QA it, get it out the door to where it's a good and user experience um so i don't think it's one factor that anyone can point to i don't think it's that it's just there's hardware differences i don't think it's just that there's a lot of online connectivity i think uh or that there's different engines or that you know different changes that happen over the course of development right and development cycles are longer now so those changes are broader i think it's just all of these things culminating in a very difficult environment for development that's what i understand anyway and I'm, I've said many times, I'm not in game development, but I am in application development. And it's similar to a degree in the sense of the larger your scope, the larger the uh, kind of uh, variances and the things you're trying to create, and the more you have to do it across different systems, platforms, testing, etc., cetera, uh, the more issues you run into and the longer it takes. And I think that that's generally what we're seeing. And when you combine that with an industry that's growing, with an industry that has more players than ever, that's more vocal than ever, um, that has more insight into game development and early access than ever. It's just sometimes a recipe for disaster. Not always. Early access and, and early previews and kind of uh, consumer feedback can help in sometimes, and there's instances of that. But generally speaking, there are a lot of, it's a much different environment than it was even 10 years ago, never mind 20 and 30 years ago. Um, and developers that I've talked to, the few, have told me very clearly that it's uh, it can be a mess. So I'll stop because I've rambled for a few minutes, but that's generally my my uh, feedback I've gotten on it. Yeah, I think all of those reasons are some of the few, 
and there are right, a there's lot more. of reasons. Sure. There's like even more than that list. Uh, but yeah, the the one I hear a lot is just like the bloat of games nowadays. Now games nowadays games are so much bigger than they were, and people point at like 20 years ago and go, oh, "Yeah, no games came out broken back then because they had to be complete." And that is certainly true. But also games were much smaller in their scope than they are now. Yeah. They were completely different games and they required much smaller teams and uh the barrier of expectation was much lower. You didn't hear anybody talking about 60 FPS back then and, and all those other things. So um there's that. Um and then the idea that um well you know just delay the game then if the game's not ready delay it delay it uh sure but there's a real battle between creatives and uh, the practical people at, at businesses um, about bloat versus uh, putting the game out in in some some form that is acceptable. Um, if you give creatives time to make the game that they've always wanted to make, they will certainly take you up a, on that offer. The problem is they will never say that they're done. And that, that is just true of like creative types. They'll just keep adding stuff and they'll keep perfecting and tweaking and modifying. The game will never come out. And so you kind of need people in the room to be like, all right, we have to decide on the scope. We have to decide on how long it's going to take you to do this. And we have to get a release date at some point because, you know, money doesn't go on trees. You have to, you have to put out a product at a certain point. And so I think that battle is actually healthy. A lot of people pointed it as like, you know, the, the thing that's wrong with the industry. I don't think that's true. I think uh, what's wrong is, uh, you know, people putting out a product that they know doesn't work. But I do think that it's important for games to have a release date and for a scope to be decided and for them to try to try to hit it at, at any at any cost. Um, well, the, isn't that uh, two different things, though? I mean, like you're, you're, if you set us, you know, regardless of whether they're creatives or whatever you call them, you know, it, it's it's this is where we need to be, you know, right. You, you set that yeah. scope at the beginning, you know, and, and both sides, you know, not only the publishers and, and, and the creatives need to come together and say, this is where we're going to be at. And regardless of the amount of time it takes, you know, but, but, you know, if you set, if you settle on that, you know, that scope in the beginning, wouldn't that kind of fix some of the problems? It sure I mean, would, Dan, if well, yeah. the scope wasn't constantly moving and right. if cha plans weren't changing and stuff happens in development, <laughs> another game came happens. out that has this feature and now everybody expects that feature to be in our game or, uh, you know, the right. console uh, that we were developing it for is no longer the main console in the market. And now there's this other console that we have to put it on or, hey, Stadia died and now the uh, thing that you were using for the backbone of your QA process is gone. I'm citing a specific thing that happened to Bungie, by the way. When when uh, Stadia died, it completely screwed up their QA process. And now uh, their game is super buggy and breaking all the time. And people are like, what, what happened? It's like Stadia died. <laughs> they lost a major tool uh, that they were using for building their game. Um, so yeah, uh, there are a lot of things going on in, uh, in the game, game development space. And I think... Uh, it's hard to navigate exactly to diagnose it by pointing at one thing. But the thing, the things that I've no, heard from all the, all the developers that I've talked to that I hear more than anything else are games are big. Now they're scope. huge monsters that you have to manage. And even if you decide on the scope, nailing that scope is super hard. The second thing is work from home. Uh, work from home is fantastic for people. 
but it is really tough on creative collaborative projects. It's really hard. Um, for the people who don't know this, I guess I'll just come out and say it. I have two full-time jobs. <laughs> One of them is working at IGN. The other is that I work in SaaS. Uh, I'm, I'm at a tech startup, right? And I've been doing that for, for years. That was how I made my money before I software as a service for those that may yeah. not know. Sorry. Software as a service. Uh, <laughs> I, that was how, that was how I made my money before, uh, people paid me to write about video games. Um, and, uh, I, I can tell you from my personal experience with developing software remotely that, um, if you're developing something that is collaborative, it's much harder to do it remotely. Uh, it just takes longer. People aren't at their desk. You know, what used to be tapping somebody on the shoulder and, and getting it done right then and there is now, you know, you send them a Slack message. Hey, did you see my Slack? Oh, send me an email, put it on my calendar. All right, well, I'm busy. Let's meet in two days. And then all of a sudden it's taking you a week to do something that used to take seven minutes. Um, and I, uh, I, I have talked to developers who said that the remote work was the hardest thing for the game development and especially their QA process that they ever had to go through. Um, mm -hmm. One of them is a, a developer who's currently working at a Bethesda studio. Who I, I'm not going to disclose who that is, but they recently returned to the office and are very happy to be back at the office developing their game because they said that the years that they were remote, things were just untenable and really hard to do. And I think that you can kind of see that in the quality of games a little bit. I mean, right when the COVID hit, pretty much all the major releases after that, they really started to go downhill in terms of QA. And I think that's a big part of it. Um, some companies are returning to the office and not seeing that. So I've heard that a lot from developers, which doesn't surprise me uh, too much. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of reasons, but I think those are two of the big ones I've seen. Um, uh well and that's yeah, before even more. getting to uh yeah mm -hmm. that's what i was gonna say there that's before even getting to management plays a key part right we've seen toxic management across studios we've seen incredible management at studios and being able to manage your workforce effectively whether you're in the office or remote is a just like any other industry is a uh, you know good leaders are rare uh, and good leaders can make a tremendous difference in how products uh, are developed and then that's before everything we've talked about uh, except for scope, which impacts it, right, is before you start to get into publishers worrying about their money uh, and what their fiscal bottom line is and when a game's going to hit based on their fiscal results and pleasing shareholders um, and, and, you know, forcing games out the door. We've brought it up a million times before. We can bring up Cyberpunk again. Um, that game should not have been forced out in the state it was. And, uh, you know, we're not going to cover that again. But those types of things come into play. There's no one reason. There's just a lot of reasons. Um, and the combination of scope, remote work, complexity, um, the gaming industry being more profitable than ever, than ever before and growing and, you know, new, more new workers coming in, uh, studios growing. Uh, one thing you cannot do, at least in my experience, is development is take a person off the street, plug them in and think you're just going to double your efforts. It doesn't work that way. Um, so, you know, you like what we saw at 343 with Halo, right, where a lot of uh, contract employees coming in and out and losing that institutional knowledge uh, and therefore the handoff was very poor and they lost development time, work and knowledge. And that can impact development. I mean, the list the list is endless of why games are more problematic today than they were when we were growing up. Um, and I, I don't know, guys, I, I don't know if there's a solution. Uh, as long as games are continually being, uh, the expectations of scope of games are continually growing, right? 
our expectations as consumer. The industry continues to get bigger and broader. And all of the things relating to finances, right? Money, money, publishers, shareholders, et cetera, continue to have pressure on delivery of these products. I don't think we're going to see an end to what we're seeing now, uh, at least in the short term. I don't see. Yeah, I, I, I certain it's certainly true that there is not one solution to solve this industry wide. I think it's up to every studio to kind of figure out their own takeaways and learnings, right? Like CD Projekt Red for all the mistakes that they made with Cyberpunk. I think they learned valuable lessons that that studio will never forget. And so I, I would be surprised if we ever had to worry about that problem from that studio ever again. You know what I mean? Like that's just one yeah. example. I, th I, well, I would hope that Battlefield 2042 taught that studio its lesson. Um, EA tends to take a few hits to the face before they learn things, but um, you know that, that's that's a that's a great uh, probably learning from them. And I think you know certain companies are going to have to work on the work from home thing if that's really actually a problem for them. And uh, obviously, employee for employees, it's great to be able to work from home. And so that's going to yeah. be a balancing act for each studio um, to, to try to see how they uh, manage that. Um, and then I think for game bloat and hitting deadlines and deciding on scope, like these are all things that each studio needs to develop a process for. And uh, the ones who do it sooner and work out those kinks are going to hopefully avoid snafus like we're seeing now. And the ones that don't are going to get bit. And that's kind of the part of the process, right? That's what they should do. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's what we saw at a CD project red. They lost, I, I forget the number off the top of my head. It was a lot of market cap after, uh, cyberpunk hit right so they they kind of misled with the game sold extremely well at launch it was profitable at launch but they paid on the back end they lost good employees um a bunch of employees have left cd project red uh and they lost market cap for a while they're starting to recover a bit um but that really hurt the company pretty badly um i do see i do see the comments guys i'm trying to keep up um so a couple people said you know stop announcing games early uh, don't release games until they're ready. And I, I think we've touched on that. That that comes back to agree that they shouldn't announce a date, right, until they have to. But, again, we don't know the situation of what a publisher is asking for or publisher agreements, right? Um, there's probably more pressure than I think any of us realize uh, in terms of release dates based on what we've already said, right? I think certain games are fundamental to the bottom line of companies based on quarter results and when those games slip those conversations go all the way up the chain um and i mean all the way to the top around how that's going to impact the financials of the company it's not as easy as just saying release it when it's ready it's not that simple it's just not and the fact that games cost more to make than ever right you're talking about some triple a games having investments over 100 million dollars um there's a lot of people that are invested uh, into the success of that game and when it launches and what it's going to do for the company's bottom line. It's not as easy as just saying, oh, I'll just delay it two more years. It's fine. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, well, here's the deal. I'm just, you know, you get to a point where you're just kind of disappointed. Of course. Constantly. Yeah. constantly, And it, it really drags down. I mean, this is my hobby, right? This is what I've yep. done for, you know, 40 years plus, you know, and, and, and then, it hits this and you, 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 it's like having kids, man. You know, you're never really mad at them. You're just always disappointed. And when they make, stuff, <laughs> and, you know, and, and that's basically how I look at this. And, it, and there's nothing you can do, you know, unless we start telling them that we're disappointed in you. We're not mad. We're just disappointed. 
know, well, I, and, and and we're the consumers, right? So I, I we always remind people here: stop pledging allegiance to these companies, right? We're the consumers, um, and you have a right to be disappointed. You have a right to be mad if the money you spend is not met with the expectations set by that company, right? Um, the first time that I that a game has come out that I was so super pumped for that I didn't pre-order it and or buy it the day that it released. I was shocked to hear you didn't buy it. I mean, I, it, yeah, I still haven't bought it and I buy everything. So yes, exactly. On multiple consoles. I'm just <laughs> well, getting to the point now where it's just like, you know what? I, I so guess some I just people, wait. I do want to talk about the us buying things and the minimum viable product thing. Cause I think we kind of didn't talk about that a lot, which I think sometimes there's this perception that even if a game sells well, if they're, if it sells well, if there's backlash that the publishers and the developers don't care. And I don't think that's true at all. The second yeah. thing is that minimum viable products are ruining the industry and that everybody just wants to get out the one thing that works. And I think that that's true some of the time, but it's for a very specific type of game wherein that's kind of okay. And it's almost part of the model. And I, the, with that, it really comes down to expectations of like the game not being finished. And I think that there's certain models where you kind of want that, right? Mm -hmm. So the first thing is um, us buying games. Obviously, that is their bottom line. And a game that sold well is going to continue to be successful, even if it if it is like Jedi Survivor and has a bunch of issues on one of the platforms and uh, you know their reputation is besmirched. But the um, the publisher and the developers aren't stupid. And they have marketing teams and they know that their reputation is currency in the game space. Um, CD Projekt Red learned that very well. They sold uh, you know, millions of copies of Cyberpunk before anybody even complained about the frame rate issue or the, the uh, performance issues because uh, the game wasn't out yet. Um, and that, but that doesn't mean that their culture didn't change, that they didn't get completely slapped in the face and go back and change it. And so I think you can buy a game and also criticize it heavily and the community can have massive backlash and they still care about the backlash even if they sold it cd project red didn't go well yeah we got completely destroyed as our reputation but look how many millions we sold so who cares let's just <laughs> go and make witcher 4 and and we'll do it on the exact same way we did cyberpunk they're so not it's doing like that. boycotting places nobody that doesn't work it never has but uh, but but i don't i don't think you have to boycott for that feedback loop to no. work. i think what matters is the no. feedback if a game sale sells millions of copies but it's reviews on metacritic are really low and people are talking about it like they're upset i think they do care and i think that absolutely they, they realize they that they're that their ips don't exist in a vacuum that they can't just sell a game and then continually you know the battlefield brand they realized what 2042 did to that brand, which is why if they didn't care, they would have taken your money and never fixed that game. But they did fix it, according to Ains. And that they, is they not, think, they not only fixed it, right? They put a team. Sorry to interrupt you, but they put a team yeah, to ahead. fix it. They then put Vince Pella over Battlefield as a whole. We've talked about this. And they hired Marcus Leto and set up a new studio in Washington to build out the future of Battlefield so it doesn't happen again. Yeah, exactly. So my point is that that is a sign that we're not in a completely lost spot in the industry where games just get released broken and nobody cares. Everyone who's released a bad game that I can point to has cared and tried to fix the game and tried to not repeat those mistakes. And that's great. That means that we're having an impact even though we're buying their games. It's not like they're just ignoring us and putting out a crappy product on purpose. They do care and they're, and they're trying to do better. So I think that's that's really that's like good news that nobody's being evil in this situation, for what I can tell. Well, the not other, nobody, uh, but 
most. I people. mean, probably some people, but I, those aren't <laughs> the developers by yeah. and large are not trying to well, hurt and, the consumer. And I think that's and to that's your point, the thing. developers aren't the ones making these decisions, right? The developers sometimes. Some for, people self sometimes, yeah, of course, but mostly of the AAA games we're talking about, right? The developers are working a day job just like all of us do, working really yeah. hard with a lot of pride, oftentimes working extreme hours uh to put to make the best game possible but when you are one of several hundred people or sometimes even thousands of people working on a game you're just one person man you you can want the best you can work your hardest but at the end of the day that's a small cog in the machine yeah the other thing i want to talk about is releasing things before they're ready or an mvp minimum viable product which is funny that that MVP is an acronym with two meanings and they're almost the opposite, right? Most it's valuable true. player, minimum viable yeah, product. Most people think most um, valuable player, but we're talking minimal viable product. I always think minimum viable product, but I don't watch sports as you guys know. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, and I've never been called an MVP, um, obviously. Um, so uh, the, the idea that releasing something earlier before it's ready or having a minimum viable product is a bad thing, I think is sometimes, um, it's a little bit more complicated than that. There are certain games where where surely you can tell that the game was put out before it was ready and it was half-baked and it feels bad. 2042 is one of those. Like the game should have been delayed, right? There's yeah. no excuse for that, and it was way below uh, the expectations. And then there's other ones where, like, Minecraft. Minecraft was released on console, uh, and it was a full release. It was not a beta or, like, early access edition. And I would argue that that was 100% a minimum viable product. But the reason that existed on the console and was okay there is because they they players had every expectation that it was going to be flushed out over time. And now it has parity with the PC version. And that was the right choice because it got people on console, present company included, hooked on that game before it was a full-fleshed out game. Um, and we were along for the ride. And there's other games that wouldn't exist if they didn't have that model. Um, I would argue Art Rocket League was uh, at launch kind of in that same boat. That, that game has been optimized to heck and launched it at kind of an MVP uh, situation. The original Destiny was at that level. And I think certain games where the communication with the audience is, look, it's not going to be the game everybody is imagining in their heads when it comes out, but that's kind of part of, of why we're releasing it early. Uh, Pixelbit pointed out Grounded, fantastic example as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I don't think that that's bad. I think really it's about communication and trust between the, the payer uh, slash gamer and the uh, the person developing it. Um, and I, I, I think, uh, yeah, it, you have to take it on a case by case basis because I don't think anyone is being mean when they put out their game before it's ready. And I think that the idea of a minimum viable product always being a bad thing is not true. I think sometimes it really Agreed. is helpful in Agreed. the industry. Agreed. Agreed. And just to, just to end cap this, I think it was uh, uh, Captain Chats uh, said, uh, you know, I'm not paying 70 pounds. I guess he's in England, right? Or UK uh, until the game is finished. Fine. That's your absolute yeah, right totally as a consumer. Fine. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing wrong. I, I understand that viewpoint yeah. entirely. And, and, um, and, you're, and you're allowed to advocate for that position. But I would argue that um, there's a lot of people who, don't want that and there's a lot of games that wouldn't exist if that were true and i'm certainly not your ally in that because i don't i don't think that (laughs) 
I just, I disagree. I just, I, I think that some games I'm pissed when they come out and they aren't ready. And I know uh, Dan is in that camp by and large because he doesn't play the type of games that aren't finished, but he's also played Hitman, a game that came out in an unfinished state because it's a live service game. And now it's very close to finish. <laughs> he so. loves poking you with the uh, Hitman live service needle, doesn't he? Well, yeah, I, mean, I mean, it wasn't finished when it came <laughs> out. I mean, I mean, look, look at this. That studio wouldn't exist without a minimum viable product model because they were leasing that property. Well, they were they were technically in the studio at the time. They were part of it, but they had to release it episodic because they didn't have the money to finish the game. And that they were so successful in that model that they repeated it and then eventually bought the property from Square and became their own studio. And now they're this massive success story and they owe it to a minimum viable product model that's i mean that's a great example so that's why i bring <laughs> it up as soon not as they could get away from that model they did and released the entire <laughs> but, game but you can't but that's the three. thing you can't be you can't be like oh yeah well now that the game i care about succeeded using it let's shut the door on everyone else behind us yeah, you know what i mean because sometimes that's like, that's like that's like people who become a rich way and that's like people who become rich using loopholes and then they close the loopholes as soon as they're rich <laughs> you know what i mean like that's literally what you're advocating for so 100 i will you know it's like listen okay. you did you did a great as your, job as long as you thank you for being there and thank you for doing yeah. what you did but we don't need you anymore because we found somebody better right okay. <laughs> sorry you know well, lots of it. companies out there that could use a little uh a little we appreciate help, you uh, with their game, so. appreciate by the way you. uh edwin and uh edwin uh edwin on hoax channel uh called out no man's sky and hello games is a perfect example yeah, here. yes although examples, i would though. say that that game made a huge mistake of of absolutely not communicating to its audience at all that it was that type of game it is now in retrospect a success story but they should have said this is the game we're envisioning in the future this is the, oh, the game we want but it's not going to be that at launch and i think if they had done that no man's sky would be one of the biggest games right now like in the world i think it really would but the fact that they messaged it as when this comes out it's going to be amazing is it completely cut them off at the knees and i don't know if they'll ever fully recover from that because that could have been the biggest game ever i think it could have been the next minecraft but they they didn't communicate it like minecraft did minecraft made it clear their game wasn't done at every step of the way um, and No Man's Sky d kind of did that in retrospect after they failed spectacularly, um, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I mean it's it's a big success story now, but it's taken it took them a while to get there. Yeah, um, and they got the point. messaging wrong. Yeah, completely. Yeah, well, I, I've had the discussion before about Cyberpunk, like, um, not not in the same vein as Unfinished, right? Because that's more un unoptimized and unpolished. But will it ever reach the heights that like Witcher Three did because of the no. reputation it got for the way it launched? Probably not. Definitely not. Yep. Um. By the way, uh, yeah, Captain uh, says I feel reviews have a duty to take performance of a game into the review score. We actually covered that. I think you might have joined late. We covered that prior to this conversation. So, uh, yeah, you may want to check that out. Let's get some super chats, guys, and then we'll move on from this topic. Good conversation, though. Really appreciate it. And shout out to the over three. We passed three hundred uh, live people watching. Appreciate all of you. Uh, Pompa's in the house. Pompa with ten dollars super chats. Shout out to Elden Ring for being a complete game. With very little to no issues has to be a part of the reason why the game was praised. Also, would like Travis yelling more every bit, cast. <laughs> Let it out, brother. Yeah. Uh, I, reviewed, I reviewed Elden Ring on PC prior to day one patch. And yes, fine. Uh, that game it can was a be phenomenon. done. It can, can be done. Be done. 
from it from, can't be done. from all you need all you need is like six years and hundreds of millions of dollars in budget and hundreds of employees and yeah. you know, and top leadership different, different top culture. leadership and work in a yeah. country where they're not working from home at all and they <laughs> you know 20 hour okay. day crunch yeah it's great all you gotta do totally, totally good we'll get them we'll get them japanese yeah. Man, I'm for help. it. I'm an American. I love crunch. I yeah. I want to work 20 hour days, seven days a week. I'm a big advocate of the seven day work week. This is no, not even joking. I'm talking about from know. software and Capecom, you know, as the two that keep putting out stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure Final Fantasy will be perfect. Well, I, I was gonna mention, so we've got Zelda, right? And I'm I think we're all confident that that's expected to run at 15 frames part of the time. Uh, and it'll just be accepted because it's Zelda and it's the switch, but that'll be fine. Diablo. We already know. Look, look though, guys, the question is, is it going to feel good at 15 frames on the switch? And it probably will. And that's why the frame rate fascists are, they have a bad worldview because they don't understand. They they're losing the, I got them started, Dan. I got them started. Um, so, we've got Diablo, which we already know runs great. I've played it both console and PC. It's excellent. Uh, then we have Street Fighter VI, which is Capcom. Capcom hasn't let us down yet. Street Fighter VI is a huge return for them. Uh, I The demo is beautiful and runs great. I have a hard time thinking that's going to be problematic. And then we get Final Fantasy XVI uh, in late June from Square. We'll see what that looks like. Um, Square has been very hit or miss. Uh, but this is Final Fantasy, their, their biggest baby. So we'll see. And it's on one platform. Uh, before we move on to completely different topics. I have two more Super Chats. Okay, great. Let me get those real quick. Uh, thank you, Pompa. Appreciate you. Uh, and just general shout out to Elden Ring because I haven't mentioned the game this episode and it's not a big cast without me saying how good Elden Ring is. All right. Also, we've, expansion coming soon. I don't know. Yes. Uh, Zilthan gave us two Super Chats. Um, so, Dan, I'll read these back to back. Go ahead. All right. Apologies for missing the segment. But to double back, what are your thoughts on review splits into categories with composite score versus a versus. single holistic score? I remember uh, GamePro reviews fondly for breaking things down into categories. Thanks. Thank you, Zoltan. Um, I'm a hardliner on this issue, which is that the point of the number is to give you a snapshot view if you're not reading the review, which, by the way, if you do that, come on, please read the review. But uh, the, a lot of, some people do it for reasonable reasons, which is like, oh, I, I don't want to risk any spoilers. So I'm just going to look at the score and then go, OK, look, I got a nine. Great. Let's I'm going to play it and then I'll read the review later, which I think is fine. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, my my worldview is that give it a number and it should not be a decimal number or a fraction. It should just be a number or and, and that's it from one to one hundred. No, one to ten, <laughs> one to five. Honestly, my my the best review system is thumbs up, thumbs down. Like that's the best review system in the world because it's clear immediately. We but found something we disagree with on reviews. Mm. Yeah, but clear immediately doesn't make it better. Sure it does. No, if if that's no, the whole point of the score of the score, right? Because the review is to give you an in depth impression, but the score is literally for the people who aren't reading. So wouldn't this be? The most sense because if you do a score then they have to know what the score means you have to explain it to them and so the reason i say this is the best system is because everybody knows what this means and this means no then no they don't not in context of a game yes they do like play it don't play it you know what i mean so if if we've 
talked before about the mental kind of thought process of game reviews, right? And technically yeah. a five would be a middle game, but it's not really because most games below five don't get reviewed. So therefore it's closer to a seven, I right? So that's true. Yeah. But anyway, we've literally know. talked about it on this show. I know we disagreed. Yeah. Come no, on. we didn't. Yeah, no, we, we did. didn't. I, you I, literally I explained I... why Dan Stapleton wrote an article around why most games reviewed are sevens or higher. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking but, about. But you're saying that so, if it were actually... I'm saying the context average, is, what is this then? No. Bad. <laughs> Dislike. <laughs> All those things. No, no. That's yeah. ridiculous. No, no, my, 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 point, my point is if the, if the idea of a score is supposed to immediately give the reader a verdict without telling them anything really specifically the problem with a numbered system is that they have to know what the numbers mean the problem with a decimal system is that it's insane because there's too many options and you're basically you're straddling the fence and really the best solution is yes no should you should you play it a recommendation or lack of recommendation or, or specific non-recommendation i think is the best system but uh i prefer Obviously, I've been indoctrinated by IGN into a 10-point system because each of the numbers has a very specific meaning, and I think that's important. Nine equals amazing, eight equals great, et cetera. Um, and so my problem with the composite score is that it gets a little too close to doing what the review is doing. Just read the review if you want to know the specific breakdown stuff. You know yeah, what that's, I mean? fair. Like, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's my problem with it. I think um, so what we do is we do a, a core score. Uh, like you're mentioning, and then we have a couple additional details in our summary. So like uh, average time investment to finish the game, uh, replayability factor, those types of things. So, Zilton, thank you for the two Super Chats. Appreciate you. All right. Oop, maybe I should take it off the screen. That would help. Um, What were we going to get to here? So, Travis, you started to say something, and I said, let me get to these two Super no, Chats. No, it's fine. I'll do, I'll do it in my outro. Let's, um, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so I wanted to quickly, I wanted to cover the CMA blocking the MS and Activision deal. Uh, oh. Sadly, Hogue, it looks like uh, not going to join us today. And I'm sure he will. He said he has his own video. He's trying to get ready on it. Um, and he will uh, obviously, uh, if he's here next week with us, we can kind of cover some more details about it as they come out. Uh, so we'll do that. But Travis uh, was looking over the deal. So we can just talk about that. Also, I want to quickly talk about Armored Core and PlayStation Xbox. So we'll get to that. Uh, Dan has to drop out. He has to leave uh, at this moment. So, Dan, yeah, we'll let guys. you go ahead. Enjoy the rest of the show, guys. I will not be here next week. I will be in New York, but I will be watching. And uh, don't forget Hoag's uh, live stream on Saturday, May 6th. Nice. Right? Oh, wow. That is this week, isn't it? Thank yeah. you. Good shout out. He's doing his... Is uh, raising money for the the offices of the hospitals that he um, <clears throat> helped him through his uh, stroke and recovery. So yes, next Saturday he's doing a long live stream, a lot of guests. Uh, we're yep. going to try to swing by as well. So absolutely. Yep. All right, guys, I will see you guys see in two weeks. Uh, Dan, you should definitely watch this later so you can see that I also know legalese. After. I might be watching it on my way to where I'm going right now. Fantastic. So I will. <laughs> All right, sir. See you guys. We'll see you guys. Thanks, Chad. Have a good trip. All right. Oh, my God. We've got a one-on-one -on -one show, Travis. What do we do now? We kiss. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. <laughs> we get a uh, I want you to do we'll, this. We'll include, <laughs> wait, where do I go? I can't. Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay. That's there that's the go. closest I'm getting. That go. already feels weird. That already feels weird. Yeah, it was good. Um, I like that. That was dating sim. 
<laughs> um, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on chat here uh, and uh, we'll just include you have a casual conversation. But yes, the CMA published their final report on Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard. They decided to block the deal. Now, the from what I understand, and I know you've read uh, a lot of this, from what I understand, it's not so much uh, relating to PlayStation's console dominance in uh, the UK. Now, remember, the CMA is speaking to the UK specifically. This is not the EU. This is not the US or the FTC. Um, but in the UK, uh, most of their concerns were cited around the future of what cloud gaming represents. And uh, they cited that Microsoft would basically, for lack of a better term, kind of control a future monopoly in the cloud gaming space in the UK. And that they were trying to prevent that from occurring because, in their words, this would harm consumers in the long term. Is that yes. the gist of it? That is basically uh, their their conclusion. So um, a little background on this. The report is 400 pages long, uh, more than 400 pages. I think it's like 418 or something like that. I have been doing some light reporting for IGN and so have read over 300 pages <laughs> of the document. By today, I will probably have read all of the document uh, by the end of today. Um, and so... Um, the document goes over a number of things. Basically, all of the arguments brought forth, it states the positions of both parties, or all three parties, uh, thir third parties, which are Activision, Blizzard, Microsoft, and uh, PlayStation, it all, or Sony, rather. It also um, cites other uh, things submitted by, by other parties as well. Um, and then it states the CMA's findings on each of these. And there are some really interesting things about it. Obviously, the reason they blocked it surprised a lot of people which is that they said the reason they're blocking it is to protect cloud gaming cloud gaming currently represents one to two percent of the gaming market it is the Solid. smallest by far um uh of, of any of the of, of those things it wasn't to block mobile gaming or console gaming or all the stuff that's involved in this and it's really interesting why um so i want to first talk about the console uh, market because i've been doing a lot of reporting on why they um disagreed with sony's claim that call of duty uh, could be used to bankrupt sony or they could do a total uh, foreclosure strategy there which is basically removing the game from their platform um basically the uh it came down to what they call in the document the critical diversion rate which is the rate at which people would have to leave the playstation and buy an xbox for for it to be profitable to microsoft to take the game off of mm. PlayStation, right? right. A critical diversion rate. How many people have to do that? And what is the lifetime value LTV of those people who they now acquired? And basically they ran the numbers in every scenario and decided it would be incredibly, incredibly unprofitable losses in the billions to Microsoft to do that. And right. that it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a viable strategy. And so it was interesting to see them uh, disagree with Sony and, and, I, I've talked to Hogue about this offline. I know uh, not anything special, but I know that you, you and I and, and Dan, you know, in our stream or our thread, we're kind of talking about this earlier. And he sort of thinks that a lot of the CMA, uh, CMA's findings are kind of in search of the answer that they wanted, right? Like they kind mm -hmm. of, they had a answer already. They had the answer and they found out how to get to they it. They found a way to yeah. get to it, right? And I, I don't know if I agree with that. 
um, is, is and I, I'm actually excited to debate Hogue on this because I'm I'm very informed in, uh, finally about well you know I've actually read the legal <laughs> document as well, um, and um, I, I get where he's going what he's going for and I I think in certain scenarios you can see that they tried their best to see if Sony was correct like they they really tried to do the math and they they try I think they even tried to be favorable to Sony's math you know like in, in a way but they ultimately drew the responsible conclusion which is no that that is not possible I don't think I think Sony's crazy about that one um and they do that in a couple other categories because the acquisition involves so much stuff and there's so many arguments on all different sides um but the thing that they ended up blocking it for is um uh cloud gaming which is very interesting not game pass subscription not console gaming not mobile cloud gaming um and the the reason that surprised people is because it's a really small part of the gaming market and that microsoft does not have a clear way to dominate the market right now and even if they did it would be a tiny market because nobody cloud games um however the conclusion that I drew from the CMA report is that there are facts that they found that they aren't allowed to tell us because they saw things that were cut out of the report. And one of those, because of, uh, for privacy reasons, right? Like specific figures are cut out of the report. And the other thing is um, the CMA was able to see Microsoft's future business plans regarding parts of the market, including cloud gaming. And my theory is that they saw something in Microsoft's theoretical future cloud gaming strategies that scared them, that made them go like, oh, wow, if that happens, then we're screwed. Then, then you know, Microsoft will just dominate the market. Because Microsoft, importantly, has uh, advantages that Sony doesn't have and that Nintendo doesn't have, which is that they have a cloud. They have Microsoft Azure, which is huge. <laughs> uh, which is a, an enormous advantage. And uh, if cloud gaming ever becomes a major market, Microsoft will be one of three companies that is even remotely capable of competing in that space. Amazon, Google, and Microsoft, the three yeah. big clouds, right? And so obviously Apple and Amazon right now are not really serious competitors in the gaming space with Amazon being pretty well positioned to be one in the future with Twitch and, and the fact that they're Amazon and they have... Uh, AWS, which is the best cloud in the world. And they um, don't have Phil Harrison leading it. Go on. And they don't have Phil Harrison leading it uh, <laughs> is, is important. Although who knows? He's, I think he's hireable uh, Amazon. If you, I think hey, he's, he's looking for a job out there. He's um, going to lead season gaming into the, into the future. Nice. Nice. I, I, it sounds like he already is. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah. Um, I, I think, um, a lot of people are assuming that the CMA's finding uh, is is based on bad information. The thing I gained from the report is that they actually went through great lengths to understand the gaming market to the point where it actually surprised me because they made some really good like arguments and points where I was like, honestly, from a regulatory body, I'm not used to seeing that level of scrutiny. And it's very clear that the uh, lack of scrutiny that the FTC made when they approved the Facebook acquisition of Instagram has really made a lot of these governing bodies like check themselves, right? Like they're trying to be extra safe. My problem with the CMA's finding is I still think it was a wrong decision. And the reason I think it was a wrong decision is because it is regulation made speculatively. 
which I do mm-hmm. not think is how regulation is supposed to happen. It is them regulating a market that doesn't exist yet based on how they think it will look. And they don't know how it'll look. They just don't. And they don't know, uh, you know, they, they, they probably don't have the foresight to realize that Amazon and, and Google are kind of already competing in this space, right? And that they're already big competitors. And so Microsoft's getting hit on both sides. So they'll still be competing against Sony and Nintendo in the console gaming space. And in the cloud, they'll have two more competitors. And I don't think you regulate based on speculation of what the future is going to be. I think you regulate on current market. And then if in the future, Microsoft does develop a marketing or a monopoly in cloud gaming, then you work to break up their company, which is not unprecedented. That's kind of what you have to do when a monopoly happens. You have to break that happened before. Yeah. And I think that they're, they're worried that um, Microsoft will have a vertical monopoly with their cloud gaming and the fact that they also make consoles and they also make software and all that stuff. And there have been concerns about Microsoft having a vertical monopoly for years because they already do a bunch of things that kind of seem like they're a computer's monopoly, right? Because they're allowed to have a cloud and make software and make computers and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I, I get that. But the the problem with uh, the them blocking it is they don't know what the future looks like and they are blocking it with a claim to. And even if they saw a Microsoft business plan of a great strategy that they're going to you know uh, execute, they don't know that that strategy is going to work and they don't know that they'll become the market leader. Are you telling me that Zune is not going to be the market leader? Exactly. Right. Uh, okay. um, it, and, and uh, I, I think that there's risk in regulating uh, this sort of, these sort of transactions based on things that haven't occurred yet. And that are maybe even not likely to occur based on what you think is going to happen. Um, and somebody in the comments is saying you lose nothing you lose more if you approve the deal. You lose nothing if you block. That's not true at all. Um, you lose a lot if you block. For one, this could cripple the United Kingdom's economy <laughs> uh, because uh, not not approving the deal, depending on if other regulatory bodies do approve it. Um, also, it now gives the perception to the UK that they're anti-business. This is a very odd move, and it makes them seem like they're um, more um, politically motivated than they are uh, an actual actual regulatory body. I'm not saying that that's what I think. I actually think that their report is um, fairly respectable in terms of like all the steps that they went through and and the uh, stuff that they did. But um, I think that uh, I, I I don't think that's how governing that's how regulatory bodies should work. Basically, I think they should. So um, so yeah, no, no, well said, and thank you for going over that in detail. Um, I wanted to shout out uh, our good friend uh, OBM, one bad mother over from Xbox era. What's up, dude? He said, uh, CMA isn't concerned about Microsoft's share of cloud as much as they're afraid of how Microsoft alone can leverage ease of access in a way that nobody can. And I think we're kind of talking in two of the same in a way. I think what he's pointing to uh, based on his comments and, and others have said, right, is around how Microsoft will be in a unique position to allow people ease of access to games partially because of their cloud infrastructure as you said correct in a way that sony and nintendo being their primary competitors in the market space cannot the problem with their argument and the reason i think it's going to fall apart if it gets appealed is that microsoft already has all the tools to enact a cloud-based gaming monopoly they're not gaining anything from activision that they don't already have that lets them do that the only thing they're gaining is specific intellectual properties that according to the CMA, Call of Duty plus all of the other cloud advantages Microsoft has equals monopoly. 
That's their argument, right? And the problem I have with that monop- with that argument is that Call of Duty is not the games industry. We don't know if it's going to continue to be popular in the future, for, for, uh, you know, as as much as it is. We don't know if it's going to get knocked out by another competitor or if Activision will even make it or, you know, there's there a million different factors that, that could impact that, right? Um, and uh, the blocking the Activision Blizzard deal does not actually block Microsoft from executing exactly the strategy that they were already planning on executing True. because they already have the cloud infrastructure. They already make software. They already have game studios. They already own are a console manufacturer. The only thing it does is it prevents you from getting the IPs that Activision Blizzard has and the CMA site specifically Call of Duty and World of Warcraft as being the reasons that this is going to create a monopoly because apparently call of duty and world of warcraft are just too dangerous to be allowed on the game Boy's game uh the gaming cloud platform exclusively on xbox and i i think that that's a pretty weak argument because creativity is not you can't have a monopoly on creativity people can always make additional things you know the second place cloud provider of microsoft created a a really great cloud gaming service that immediately took off could make a call of duty clone there's nothing preventing them from doing that there's nothing uh uh unique or copyrightable about of course. of course you know what i mean you can't get a patent for call yeah. of duty on on uh you know military shooters there's, that's just not a, a thing you can do so um i i think uh microsoft is in a pretty strong position to fight this the question will be do they fight it? Does the fact that the CMA blocked it at all make it more likely that the FTC and the EU will block it? Does it, uh, it, it changes a lot. And I think it could end up being a very deadly blow to the deal happening at all. Um, but I, I don't think, um, I'm not mad at the CMA for this. I think that they, I, I think that they have genuinely held beliefs and concerns about this. I take issue with the way that they made the decision and the specific points that they called out, but reading the rest of the report, I actually gained confidence that they're not basically just being partisan hacks, at least fully. Like they looked into it and they don't draw crazy conclusions. They are very wise in their conclusion about console gaming. I That was the part that to me about uh, Microsoft being able to make money off of taking Call of Duty off of PlayStation and how ridiculous that argument is. Um, all of that stuff I thought um, was actually pretty well-reasoned. Um, I just think yeah. that their their conclusion and the specific thing that they got worried about is weird. Granted, I don't have all the information. I haven't seen the business plans for Microsoft that they've seen, but um, sure. yeah, I, I wasn't you know angry about this. And obviously, cool. I have no stake in the game because I don't work for Microsoft. So, <laughs> good breakdown. Uh, thank you for the details. I think good conversation, good points. Um, I think uh, you know, chat's discussing it, making some good points as well. I know that. Uh, a lot of people are caught up in this and we try not to talk about this every week because quite frankly, it bores me to tears uh, in the sense of it's not really focusing on games. You know, I think we discuss it when something major like this happens. Uh, but otherwise, there's there's way too much attention paid to this, in my opinion, um, you know, from a pure gamer standpoint. But thank you for that. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens from here. I think we said uh, we'll have to have Hogue on next week. We joked in our DMs that uh, we'll allow Hogue to watch your breakdown and uh, grade you. So if he's here next week, we'll see what grade yeah. he gives you. I, I expect him to um, disagree with me on my conclusion about the CMA, and I totally get why he's do that. He would do that, but uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't read certain parts of the report. I need to go back, but yeah, I will be interested to hear his 
take on it because I'll actually be able to debate him fully on this one since I am informed. I read a legal document. <laughs> I'm sorry. I actually uh, like reading legal documents. Uh, here's another thing about the CMA final uh, report. It was actually super engaging. I was expecting to be bored to tears. And every time I got to it, I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. I also don't have a problem with reading legalese. I have like a affinity for technical writing and like just legal writing for some reason. I just is how my brain works. And so um, when I read that stuff, I don't have a problem with digesting it. But usually it's boring content. This wasn't boring content. It was super interesting. You got to hear from like Sony's perspective and they broke down. Here's the argument Sony's making and here's the ones we think are valid and here's the ones we think aren't valid. Here's the ones Microsoft's making and then here's our our modeling and the models we ran and all every page out it was at, it was a page turner somehow the cma's <laughs> final report is a page turner i'm not actually being sarcastic like actually it was super interesting so <laughs> and yes i am a nerd fair enough so we'll tackle that more when hogue is back hopefully next week uh and we'll obviously kind of talk more down the line around what the eu and ftc are going to do uh and what that looks like but microsoft was very clear Brad Smith came out, you know, their head of uh, legal counsel and came out and said that, uh, you know, disappointed in the decision. This does not stop them. Um, they're going to continue pushing on getting this deal done. It's kind of funny, right? Because just before, like a week before uh, the CMA blocked this deal, uh, we heard from Microsoft saying that basically they're just going to push the deal through in the U.S. And if the FTC wants to challenge them and have a lawsuit, you know, they're willing to do that. Um but it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of unfolds from this point forward. Yeah, I'm interested to see Microsoft's next move move because I feel like they're at a turning point where, you know, they could they could cut and run at this point if they wanted to, and it, I don't think anybody would begrudge them from doing that. But uh, they would lose a lot of money, um, not as much as they're going to lose by buying a company. But I guess you don't lose it, right? Um, <laughs> not and, technically. Uh, you use it. You use it. This would be them just like losing money, but. Uh, I don't think they will. I think they're up for the fight against the CMA, and I think uh, they will. They will win that fight if they go against it. It's just that there's so many other fights they would have to win that their situation is way more precarious than it was. Um, because yeah, I mean, we've talked about this a lot, but I think we all see the merits and drawbacks of the situation. The argument that Microsoft that this acquisition would present a monopoly at all is kind of laughable, um, which is what they're supposed to be guarding right. against. But what they're what these regulatory bodies are doing is they're guarding against not that problem. Everybody kind of agrees that monopoly isn't real, but like in the US, you have the FTC looking at completely unrelated problems like workers' conditions and workers' rights, which is not what that body is supposed to guard against, right? It's not right. They're, they're kind of just being a activists rather than doing yeah. the, their job. Overreach. Yeah, overreach yeah. a little bit. And I would say the CMA is kind of doing that a little bit too. I don't know the situation on the EU because I haven't read their stuff, but I think we just have a lot of like interesting arguments, but like if they were just doing the to the letter interpretation, this would be a pretty cut and dried, but there's just more involved. There is a very political landscape. The people who are in power of each of these agencies at, at this present time, and who knows if that'll change in the near future, um, have a very specific worldview and slant. And then the, the Facebook Instagram miss, I think is just like, always in these people's minds of like we screwed that up and now they're super wary of of big tech uh and and i don't blame them for it so it's a it's an interesting um i'm fascinated by this stuff okay well i think we came to a conclusion after that 25 minutes that blame facebook 
seems like the logical consensus. Yeah. I mean, I'm always in favor of that, just in general. Exactly. Yeah, let's just blame Facebook. Or sorry, Meta. Stop it. <laughs> Save my name. <laughs> All right. Obviously, we'll have more on that. And like we said, you know, when when meaning when Hoag's back, we'll talk about this piece. And then when meaningful things happen next, we'll talk about it. But it's not something we want to cover week in, week out because it's just it's ridiculous. Um, real quick, uh, I want to just touch on the fiscal results of Xbox and PlayStation that came out this week. I can run through these numbers just in case anyone missed them. Some interesting stuff here. And just to be clear, there's always two differentiators to keep in mind here. One, X or Microsoft breaks down their gaming segment and Sony breaks down their gaming segment in different ways. They call out different things, so there's not one-to-one comparisons to be made here. And two, their fiscal years are actually different time periods. Microsoft's fiscal year ends in the middle of the year on June 30th. Uh, Sony's fiscal year ends on March 31st. So this report that came out this week, both from Sony and Microsoft, is Microsoft's third quarter. It is Sony's final quarter, and therefore they're reporting year-end results. So it can get a little confusing when you break it down that way. But some interesting numbers to call out here. On the Xbox side, we saw hardware down significantly, 30% year over year. Um that was partially expected. I know Amy Hood, the CFO over at Microsoft, came out and talked about uh, supply, various other things. Um, their content and services revenue was up 5% in constant currency, so if, uh, you know, uh, mitigating for um, uh, currency fluctuations. Overall gaming revenue was down 4%, but Nadella, uh, Amy Hood said that those were actually above projections, so they did better than they expected. Um, and then Nadella came out and said that it was a record quarter for uh, monthly active users on Xbox. They surpassed 120 million monthly active users on Xbox Live, which is, that's, that's a lot. Um, that's good to hear. And uh, as well as devices connecting to Xbox Live. Nearly 1 billion in revenue from Game Pass and subscription services. So very notable there for Xbox. On the PlayStation side of the house, they mo- mostly propped up first-party sales and console sales, which they tend to do. Uh, Keep in mind, like I said, this is their full fiscal year. Their sales were up 33% year over year, which is huge. They sold 6.3 million PS5s in the quarter, which is the highest all-time for PlayStation. So if you think about PlayStation having been around for nearly 30 years now and the success of the PS2 and PS4 specifically, the fact that the PS5 is selling at a rate greater than that is hugely impressive. Um, they sold 19.1 million PS5s in the whole year. They are forecasting 25 million for the next fiscal year. So starting on uh, April 1st, a few weeks ago, through next March 31st, they're forecasting 25 million PS5s to be sold, which is one hell of a number. Um, their first party sales were up 41% year over year, primarily crediting uh, God of War Ragnarok but they did see a decrease, which is kind of strange, in non-first-party sales. So third-party sales and content were down on PlayStation. Kind of interesting. So anyway, nothing to really, no huge news here. I just like to call those numbers out because I find them interesting. I'm a, I'm a math numbers geek when it comes to this stuff. Um, you're looking at two geeks on the screen right now, generally. Um, but it, it's, it's kind of cool. Usually four. Uh, and it's cool to see, you know, kind of where Xbox and PlayStation are seeing successes, seeing falters, and uh, the differences between the two. So anything you want to add on that? Nope. No, nope. sales numbers is probably the thing I care about least in the industry. Anytime I see, like, 
here's how many sales and greatest selling and money made and my eyes just gloss over and i want them all to burn. <laughs> yeah yeah i get it um i just think it, it's impressive um obviously playstation has turned the corner with the um the supply constraints right getting ps5s out the door to places um and they've just they've That's crushed it on that front um playstation also announced that uh gorilla so Horizon Studios, uh, studio director was promoted to the head of development strategy for all of PlayStation. So Angie Smets is now head of that development strategy for all first-party studios. Um, and they also noted they're working, Gorilla themselves are working on Aloy's next adventure. A lot of sites said they confirmed Horizon sequel. That's not what they said. Gorilla said Aloy's next adventure. Uh, and an exciting online project. So it seems like Gorilla is being pulled into the Sony well, I mean, did you, you didn't service. finish Forbidden West, right? I didn't finish Forbidden West, no. Yeah, so if you finished Forbidden West, you'd already know that there's going to be a Horizon sequel. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, to be expected. I mean, that's just, but that's yeah. not what they said, though. But, but I mean, th- it's already... Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> after Horizon 1, we knew there was going to be a sequel because the way that game ended, too. Like, it's just... We know there's going to be another game. Uh, I know. I just don't like to assume. They may come out with some... They could come out with some offset, yeah. offset game. You know what I mean? Ames is the guy who's sitting in the theater after the movie, and it, it, it the movie ends with a black screen, and it says, to be continued. And he goes, I wonder if they'll make another one. Stop it. That's not what we're talking about here. That's basically what they do in these games. They, they give you a, they, it's literally like a, a cliffhanger. You know, he's like, I wonder if we'll yeah. finish that plot. I hope we hope we get another game. Hey, Netflix has shown us they don't always finish that thought. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and then Only the last piece of- got a pretty good record of actually finishing. Yeah, that. that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Um and then we got Armored Core Six news this week, which I'm pretty pumped for. Oh, I'm not yeah. a big Armored Core Lots fan, but yeah. yeah man uh so it's releasing dan august and 25th are. yeah and a what dan and i are we discovered that on that um that episode where we guessed which games he likes and hates and we both like armored core do you remember that that's right dan yeah. going way back to the early dan days going, but i core. i think he might play this yeah. one because just because I of think his nostalgia yeah yeah uh so august 25th it releases uh from you know has continued to kill it we'll see if this release kills it as well um one interesting thing i saw about it is it's 60 dollars. well i guess bandai namco is one of the few publishers who hasn't up to 70 dollars yet which is interesting cool. um there is a detail i found interesting and we're lucky dan's not here but for those wondering so it was um xbox did a xbox wire did an interview with the producer and game director and they said specifically I found this sentence interesting. I'm sure you will, too. First and foremost, what we are aiming to create with uh, Armor Core 6 is a new mech action game as a product of what the current day from software can output based on the knowledge and experiences we've gained from developing these recent titles. So I took that as obviously you have a lot of learnings and development and structure and everything else, but I took that as, okay, uh, there's going to be some mechanics in this game that are familiar uh, because they also say, and this is a direct quote as well, in our approach to difficulty, let's say, for example, that a certain boss is giving you trouble with a devastating laser attack that sweeps across the battle arena and it's hard to avoid. One possible solution in such a situation could be to go back to the assembly, reconfigure your mech with reverse jointed legs that has excellent jumping ability or a booster with a powerful upward thrust so the attack can be avoided vertically. And what he's speaking to, right, is playing, learning, replaying, learning, 
and overcoming a challenge, which you and I both know, we know what they're talking about Dan here. Hates that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, this made me more excited for the game personally, but I can see if maybe uh, I didn't play a ton of the old armored cores. I don't know if they were always that way and I just don't know. They weren't. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, they, they so. were like that. They were like that, um, uh, but they they weren't they weren't what I was what I was gonna say is that they weren't um, uh, souls likes explicitly, but they sure. definitely were challenging games where you had to like configure and try to get best you know you you okay. get get good essentially or uh, at least adapt and and beat your head against the wall. But I can't remember which armored cores Dan said he hated. I, th- I remember he liked some and then didn't like some other ones, but. Uh, I bet you he'll play this game and maybe it'll even give him the, the souls like bug. I'm not sure. Um, but I'm interested to see how much, but basically when I saw that trailer, I, I immediately was like, this looks like kind of a souls like, like when all those missiles <laughs> went everywhere and then he was like zipping around. I was like, I think this is going to be souls like, so we'll see. That's interesting though. Yeah. They, so they said right here, um, these are things that from software action games have always tried to emphasize that. And we of course developed AC six with this in mind. However, as the basic format of Armored Core is completely different from games in the Souls lineage, there really aren't any specific aspects of gameplays or mechanics that can be served as is. So we've tried to incorporate this know-how and experience at points of the game where it can coexist and be easily digested in the sense of Armored Core without tainting the original qualities of what made it Armored Core great. So it definitely cool. feels like it's going to have some influence, but maybe not, you know, not going to be a, a Souls experience per se. Um the interesting thing about this interview with Xbox Two is he said that initial concepts for this game started in 2017. Um, a handful of From staff, including Miyazaki, uh, were involved as they mapped out the concept for the game and the maps, kind of the map layout of the game. And then it was handed over to director uh, Yamamura. So, I wonder what well, happened at 2017 that convinced them to put it on the back burner. Oh, I uh, well, I don't. I, uh, it's hard. Yeah, I know, I know. I was trying to say, I I don't know if it was necessarily on the back burner, but just kind of a secondary team working on it, right? Yeah. That's probably right around the time they were deciding to go ahead with Elden Ring or not, you know what I mean? Like that. And being an open world. Yeah, that sounds like that. Yeah, that sounds like that decision point, and they went one direction instead of the other. No doubt. Interesting. But it looks cool, man. And a good good release date. End of August, perfect. Come on. Great, great game. Great release date. And that'll be what? There's a lot of weeks? interesting summer games. There's that. Uh, what's the other one with the magic one? The where you're shooting spells and stuff. Yes, like, uh, some Avium. We just did a preview Avium. on it. Yeah, whatever. Immortals of Avium. Immortals of Avium. I almost said it was called Immortals and then almost Avium, but I would not have guessed that they were both in the title. There you go. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. So that's uh, what is July, that's July twentieth. Twentieth. Okay. July 20th. Yep. Um, and then this is August 25th. And then that means we're going to get Starfield two and a half weeks after this. Two and a half years after. <laughs> two and a half weeks after Armor Core. And then I think uh, for many of us, you know, uh, Starfield will take over for a while. So, um, yeah. yeah. In 2025. That's yeah. going to be huge. Stop it. Stop it. It'll be better in 2025. You know that. All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up on out of here. As we already said at the start, um, Redfall, look for my Redfall review. I'm sure IGN's review, other sites' reviews tomorrow as we're recording this. So they'll be out uh, uh, tomorrow, Monday. Your review uh, will eight. be up tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm trying to... 
I'm trying to get to the point to have my full review done. Um, I can't say any more, obviously, but look for that. Uh, in case you are interested, uh, I interviewed the composer of the soundtrack for Redfall. Uh, he goes by JB. His name is uh, uh, Jeanic Bontemps. Um, incredible, incredible dude. It was a fantastic conversation. Um, and he pointed out a lot of things based on his career, schooling, what scoring for a game is like. Um, and he is even composing the soundtrack for Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Um, he told me in the interview, which I did not know or, you know, but he said for a big budget triple a movie he is the first african-american lead composer which is awesome that's it's crazy. sad that that's a true thing but that's awesome um so we we even talked about that a little bit and uh genuinely fantastic individual um if you enjoy those conversations please check it out um i love you know having those kind of chats and just getting insight and uh obviously check it out on the channel that would uh i would greatly appreciate that um hogue has continued to publish videos on his channel about his stroke uh journey there's conversation with his physical therapist and another one that either went up yesterday i think went up yesterday um as well and as dan already pointed out a little bit ago next saturday we're going to be he's going to be doing a charity live stream uh for the hospitals that took care of him helped him with his pt uh me travis dan many others from uh hoax community are going to try to join and uh you know at least stop by hang out and have a good time so yeah and then uh because of the two reviews i was trying to do this week um i did not get back to romancevania yet uh so i I, people keep asking me when i'm getting back to it i get this review out the door tomorrow i should get back to it this week uh i'm trying it's just there's only so much time in the day you know what i mean so yeah uh chat you've been awesome thank you very much appreciate all of you appreciate the engagement appreciate hanging out with us uh travis what else you want to shout out brother yeah um so first off oh oh sorry 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 sorry. by the way i missed a super chat i hate when i do that i apologize joe munger when we started talking about the conversation and we got so deep into the details i i forgot to go back to this 199 super chat says shout out to the cma (laughs) just poking that clearly happy yeah yes Uh, yes poking it thank you joe sorry for the delay on getting to it um yeah some things to shout out speaking of the cma one thing i wanted to point out that i just thought was funny and this really is apropos of nothing Ains. what do you think the cma in their document refers calls people who own multiple gaming consoles what do you think they call those people they have a name for it yeah multiple gaming consoles uh, I haven't looked at the document at all. I, I yeah, honestly just, don't have like, an idea. Just, what would you call it? What do you call people like that? Multi-platform gamer. Okay. They call them multi-homers. <laughs> <laughs> multi-homers? What yeah. does that even mean? They may like be... they, ha- they find a home on multiple <laughs> platforms. Uh, I, I, God, I, that's, that's my assumption. That's my, I don't know that they just, they refer to them as multi homers. And I was like, what the, I've never heard that in my life. Did you guys make that up for this document? And then somewhere in the document, it's like, yeah, we made that up. I and can I'm see like, how terrible... someone who doesn't yeah. play games gets there in a stretch, but that's just a weird way to phrase it. It's a weird way to put it. Yeah. It because it, 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 it makes it sound like you're playing games in multiple locations or homes. Yeah. Yeah. To the to the that's what, that's which, what I would think multi homer is like you know a well to do guy who's got a summer 
house. Right. Like, oh, he has an Xbox in his summer house and his, you know, where he lives his primary residence. Uh, No, that's very weird. I'm now going to um, start to spread that term on the internet. I'm going to start calling people multi-homers. I'll be like, oh, are you a multi-homer? And then when they don't know what I'm talking about, I'm going to be like, this are you even a gamer? You don't know about the term multi-homer? Dude, we've got to do that. I'm with you. We're going to do that yeah, here on this show. Chat, yeah. chat, come on. You're with us on this. Multi-homers. Yeah. And act surprised when Dan doesn't know what a multi-homer is. Yes. And then we can all just, yeah, we'll all just like pile on him and be like, dude, multi-homer's been around for years in the industry. Like, how do you not know that term? Dude, yeah, I own the Genesis of Super Nintendo. I've been a multi-homer yeah. forever, man. Come on. For sure. Yeah, dude. Multi-homer life. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, if anybody wants to uh, work on some art for me of um, a bunch of, uh, you know, people wearing armbands with 60 FPS on them, maybe you <laughs> stepping around, feel free. Just a suggestion. I mean, feel free to do that if you want. Um, but yeah, what I'm working on is uh, I don't have any reviews in the pipe. Uh, I'm working on previews and some other content. I'm going to be traveling a lot, uh, going to seattle to visit one studio and then going to la to visit another one and i can't tell you what those studios are or what i'm doing but i you I'm, can once we're not live so let me know No, i can't because i don't break embargo outside of a public chat of course but oh yeah we don't we don't do any of, of course um that's actually real i don't i don't um and uh yeah the um yeah, so you can find all my stuff there. And then, uh, yeah, th- that's it. I don't have a lot to promote this week. I'm going to be playing Jedi Survivor and uh, catching up on... Uh, I'm going to do more. I will tell you what I think about Red Ball tomorrow. I'm not reviewing it, but I will tweet about it because I have thoughts. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Try not to give away your review with uh, the Tony No, voice. I can't. No, no, yeah. I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't. That wasn't. I, I was I was making that tone because I was trying to think about if I can say anything at all, and I can't. So just look for my review tomorrow. There's going to be, I'm going to provide a lot of detail into a lot of things about that game um, that I suggest you read if you've been looking forward to it. That's all I'll say. Um, Shush came in with a late super chat, by the way, and said, I own Steam Deck. Call me a tent dweller. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Shush, good uh, good super chat, man. Thank you very much. All right, guys. Thank you all again, chat. Like I said, you've been awesome. Anyone listening to us later, thank you very much for your support as always. Appreciate you. Share this out. You know, give us a love, give us a comment, give us a like. It always, always helps. That goes without saying. And uh, hopefully next week, the full crew will be back. Um, Hogue was going to make it this week, like we said, and something else happened. So I think generally speaking, going forward, he should be here pretty much back to normal for the most part. Something just happened to come up this week. So we uh, we'll see. So thank you again. Have a good week. Enjoy your gaming. And we will talk soon. Until then. Peace.